All right. Welcome, everyone. He's done it, a mostly sports podcast. I'm Corey Novotny, and I'm joined this week, as always, by my co-host, Brian Wells. In this week's episode, we'll be reacting to the 2022 NFL draft that took place this past weekend in Las Vegas. We'll go through all the highlights, surprises, major trades involving both draft picks and established players and more from the first round. We'll also give our overall thoughts on the Steelers and Patriots weekends. And we'll, of course, give out our biggest winners and losers of the draft weekend. From there, we'll talk about the Stanley Cup playoffs, starting off by giving our thoughts on whether or not we believe the league should expand the postseason field as they're the only one of the four major North American sports leagues to not do that in recent years. And we'll give our predictions from there, our thoughts on the Bruins, the Penguins, other teams, and of course, who we think will ultimately hoist Lord Stanley's Cup at the end of this. Finally, we'll wrap up this episode with a special draft, something we've never done before. In honor of the NFL draft, we're going to pick a seven-on-seven football team filled with fictional players from movies and TV shows. Hoping a fun way to wrap up this episode. So with that, let's get started. So the uh, the Celtics swept the Nets in the first round. That was pretty cool. Yeah, that was fun. Fun while it lasted. Yeah, I know. It's uh, I don't know. I I felt pretty good going into this Buck series. Uh, I'm not ready to give up. We're recording before Game Two happens, so I don't know. But it feels like a must win for the Celtics. Going oh, down 0-2, sure. heading to Milwaukee, sounds like it's, a recipe it's, for disaster. They're down one game to nothing, and they're at home. So they'd be going on the road, of course, for games three and four. And they don't have Marcus Smart tonight because... Yeah, that they, that's they, a big loss. They say it's a thigh contusion, but I don't believe that whatsoever. I think it's a, I think it's multiple injuries. Like Part of it's the thigh, but I also believe part of it's also the shoulder injury. If you remember in the second quarter when he left the game where he's yep. holding his shoulder. And then he also hurt shoulder his knee stinger, as well. I think it's a combination it. of all of them. Yeah. And and he's just not ready to go and i think it's worse than it they're letting on yeah i mean it, when he first got hurt it was it, it looked bad just his reaction to it but then when i saw the replay i was like did he just like separate a shoulder from like a guy pulling on it that doesn't make any sense to me uh, but then of course he got hurt again so i, I don't know there's there's a lot going on here and I figured I it was just a stinger huge... and like, oh, I just need to pop it back in. That's why he's yeah. running back to the locker room like that. But yeah, I, I, I'll admit, I thought I thought he was totally going to play. I mean, even though Marcus Mark, he's definitely a tough guy. He can certainly be, he can dramatize things as well. And I kind of figured when it, when the injury report came out and says that he was questionable, it's like, all right, like he's just playing this up and he'll 
he'll be out there. He's not going to miss a playoff game. But then all of a sudden, like, oh wow, he is missing a playoff game. And it's yeah. if he's missing a playoff game, it's 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 got to be more than a, just a a thigh contusion. Yeah, I I, it's got to be a lot more serious. I was not expecting him to be out this game. And uh, coming into the series, both of us thought that the Celtics would win. I'm sure a lot of it was inflated by sweeping the Nets, and then you throw in the Chris Middleton injury. But I guess one game one plays out. Part of the realization was like, well, the Nets' expectations and reality are not the same thing. And even though it was a sweep, it was four close games. It's not like the Celtics blew them out of the yeah, water. Yeah, they didn't blow them out in terms of the the games. Like, so yeah, they swept them, but all the Just games overall were pre- series pre- score. Yeah, they were pretty close. Of course, in game one, the Nets were winning at the last second until Tatum makes the layup. And then in game they were two, up by they 17 were the second yeah. uh, second game. And then the third game was probably the biggest uh, lopsided game, but it was, it was like a single They're digit all single game. single digits, yeah. And then, yeah, the fourth game, I figured the Nets would just pack it in and not even try, but they competed in that game, at least. Uh-huh. But yeah, so when, coming into this series, I'll admit I was probably too confident the Celtics but I also took Brooklyn Brooklyn seriously because I they have they have two of the best players in the league even though they're obviously not they don't compete as hard as Milwaukee they just don't no I mean they don't play defense first of all like Kyrie said they they didn't have time to gel together I, I wonder why 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 was Kyrie not around the team all season I don't know but Milwaukee is a much better team overall they're much more complete they play defense I think that during the regular season, uh, especially towards the end, maybe they weren't giving their 100%, uh, which I think a lot of NBA teams do, but they just won the finals last year. I think heading into the playoffs, I would have picked Milwaukee over the Celtics and just seeing how the Celtics played against Brooklyn. It was like, oh no, maybe the Celtics are better. Maybe karma can be a thing because the Celtics didn't duck the Nets, whereas the, yeah. the Bucks didn't try at the end. So Something they could I Chicago. Yeah, and again, I'm not totally ready to give up, the Marcus Smart injury definitely has me feeling much worse than I, I did starting the day. Uh, you know, it was one bad game. Celtics played horribly. Turnovers, yeah, missed they, shots. The, like Milwaukee it, definitely outplayed the Celtics, but I also feel like the Celtics, they took too many threes, and they missed they missed too many shots, of course. Uh-huh. And I, I felt like if they made some of the mo- some more of those easy open shots, it would have been a closer game. Because there was a point in the game where it was like the third quarter, and I'm saying to myself, it's only a six-point game. It looks like it's a 26-point oh, game. Oh, yeah, right? That, the that way was they were playing. Yeah, I thought that I had. And I feel like Giannis, uh, even though, I don't know, he's a monster. <laughs> and like, he he missed plenty of shots. And I think I feel like the Celtics did a good for 25. job. Yeah. I think they did a good job defensively at times. But at the same time, Giannis still had his own way. And a lot of guys were making their shots. And I, I, I think... I think Boston has to figure out a way to take out the rest of the guys because Giannis is going to go off no matter what you do. Mm-hmm. It, 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 he's just yeah, impossible. He's impossible to, to stop. Yeah. Especially when, when he's bigger than all of the guys on the Celtics. Like I, I think size is a huge factor here. So, Oh yeah, definitely. Cause the Celtics, they were taking so many three pointers. And part of that was because they couldn't drive into the lane as well as they could when they were facing Brooklyn because Brooklyn's not, as good as Milwaukee. Yeah, no interior. room protection versus no room protection Milwaukee. Whatsoever. They're just a bunch of huge human beings. And of course, Giannis, he's, 
I, I said it to you when he had that. It was like an alley oop to himself for uh, for a huge dunk. It, he's so much fun to watch against twenty eight other teams. <laughs> yeah, and it, <laughs> it's tough seeing him do that to your own team. But that, that's a great point because because I'm I'm a huge fan of his as as a lot of people are. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it does suck when it happens against your team. Yeah, so I think the the Bucks are the only team in the at least in the Eastern Conference that I would be okay with the Celtics losing to just because yeah I think that makes sense if they're gonna lose to anyone in the east it's milwaukee because philly i even with Embiid, like no they, they they should beat a team like philly and then miami i i take miami more seriously than you do but at the same time even though miami competes really hard and they play great defense i i think the high-end talent of the celtics now should they should beat miami in a seven game series and so milwaukee is really the only team with that that you'd be okay with if if they won but they don't have middleton and i know it sounds like i'm a middleton hater but if middleton were in this series i would have it would have been a much tougher choice for me like i would have said seven but i don't know which team i would have picked he's also historically really good against the celtics that's another thing he's a celtics killer uh and but i picked him in six because Giannis Giannis alone should make it a six game series at least and so that was my that was my thought process behind that, but without Middleton, it's like, all right, well, that's that's their second best player. I, and I know it's a big drop mm-hmm. off from Giannis, but he's the second best player and arguably best scorer. And I, I felt like that would make a bigger difference in Game One than it actually ended up being. But yeah, one thing I, Milwaukee is going for them is outside of Giannis, a bunch of their guys shoot thirty five percent from three, so they can still make up some of that that they're missing with Middleton. But, yeah, I agree. I, I thought that was another factor in terms of being high on the Celtics, and we'll see how that plays out. Now, if Marcus Smart's going to be out for the rest of the series, then that, you know, they, they start to cancel my guess is that more. My guess is that he's only out for game two, but if he's out, like, right now, missing playoff games, and he is a tough basketball player, it's concerning, yeah. So Yeah, it's a huge concern, so... And 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 it it feel it does feel like a must win game if they're at home. Yeah, I think something like ninety two percent of teams that go up two zero um, go on to win the series, or it's some, maybe it's not that high, but it, it is something ridiculous in the and NBA, the, it, especially. It never happens on in the, the NBA road. where the road teams are winning. <laughs> I mean, we saw that in a World Series where only the road teams won, but that doesn't really happen in the NBA. It's really no. a home team thing. Uh-huh. Yeah, I know. I, I saw a stat that only the 94 Rockets have come back to win a series after losing the first two games at home. So it uh, does not bode well for the Celtics historically. Uh, I guess just quick thoughts on the other series. So as much as I'm not super high on the Heat overall, I, I do think that without Joel Embiid, they they should uh, take quick work of the Sixers. I think yeah, Philly can maybe steal games. a game at home, but yeah, that's... Uh, that's a huge loss. Like as big as the Marcus Smart and Chris Middleton losses seem to be, Joel Embiid is the worst loss that any team could have. Yeah, because I mean, I wasn't gonna pick Philly either way, even with Embiid. But now Philly has really no shot if if Embiid doesn't come back. Yeah, I really need James Harden to just have one game where he goes off, but I don't think that they can get four games like that. No. And um, on the west side. Suns and Warriors both won the first two games. Uh, I think that going into this, we both thought that was the Western Conference Finals matchup, and I assume you're not changing anything after. I'm not changing my mind, especially the 
The Warriors Grizzlies. Okay, yeah, the Grizzlies only lost by a point, and it was a super close game. But think what it took for them to be in that game. It took Draymond getting ejected and and Steph and Clay both in foul trouble as well. And so three, so three of your best players are either ejected or in, in serious foul trouble. And Ja goes. He had a amazing game. He went off in game one, but all of that, and they still lose. It's like, yeah, I mean, it, it felt like a kind of game that the Grizzlies needed to win to and they're at home the too series. oh i know so. yeah they yeah i uh i'm not as as high on oh i mean come on i didn't even pick <laughs> yeah. them to win the first round i know, I know. <laughs> and the and only the only reason why they won is because the timberwolves are the biggest chokers on earth yeah that, that <laughs> three was of those really w- bad three of those wins the timberwolves gave up double digit leads and the worst one was uh game three when they gave up two 25 point leads i know that, i don't even know how that's insane possible. to me yeah yeah so i mean i think the grizzlies are a cool story it would be interesting to see if they could be like really competitive and a big threat but i just don't think that they are in the same class as a, a fully healthy golden state team and no, definitely no, not no phoenix shot. i mean it, the suns F- looked phoenix a little state. Maybe, little maybe bit of a Dallas. test in new orleans but yeah i don't know i i don't believe in the mavericks all that much i i know you you think that it's a seven game series but yeah i, uh, I feel like the phoenix oh, maybe, is just that maybe, much better <laughs> i might change my mind a little maybe six but yeah, I'll admit I believe in the Mavericks more than you, but I don't expect them to. I don't think they'll win. But yeah, and after yesterday's game, even though it was a single-digit loss, I'll admit maybe it's a six-game series instead of seven, like I originally said. Yeah, that was my prediction going into the series. I felt like once Phoenix was able to kind of get it going against the Pelicans, and you know, the, Dallas is so good. I'll give them credit for that. Luca is awesome. He finally got his first yeah. playoff win, playoff series win. But <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not. I'm not changing my tune on Phoenix Golden State, so. No, I, I'm not either. And my hope is that Boston Milwaukee might as well be the Eastern Conference Finals with, uh, <laughs> you know, not Philly or Miami going to the finals. Yeah, but Miami plays Boston really well. If if, if yeah. it were to even if Boston were even to make it that far, and Miami, I, I mean they have this history. Well, say they have a history of success and also a history of failure against the Bucks. Because they beat them in five in the bubble and they got swept last year. So I don't know what to expect this year, but I would, I would lean Milwaukee. Um, you know, if they do end up pulling out the series with the Celtics, yeah, I would as well. And and so. I I originally had uh, Golden State versus Milwaukee in the uh, very beginning. Obviously, I changed my mind at some point, but hey, that that can come true still for sure. So, the games gonna be going on while we're recording. I I don't expect it to be over uh, before we're done here, but I'm sure we'll have some <laughs> reactions <laughs> and updates. Yeah. <laughs> it hasn't tipped off yet. I think it's going to in a little bit. Uh, we'll be talking about the Stanley cup playoffs as well. At some point, those underway penguins and Celtics both playing at the same time. So, you know, put in the podcast first and that's because we had a huge event this weekend, 2022 NFL draft taking place in Las Vegas. And there's a lot to talk about with this one. I think that this draft didn't get a ton of buzz. Uh, probably the lack of quarterbacks after having three go in the, the first three picks last year, five in the top 15. This year, we definitely did not see that. But it was still an exciting night. A lot of trades, a lot of action going down, both draft picks moving up, some veteran established players getting moved. Yeah, so. I told you before the draft that yeah i'm glad we're not doing some draft preview because last year's draft with having five quarterbacks in the first 15 picks i I, and a lot of other great players i felt like that draft class was so much better than this one and for me to be really interested in 
like really into the draft, there's got to be quarterbacks or there's got to be a lot of trades. And luckily, after the first 10 picks, that's what happened. There were so trades many. everywhere yep. uh, after those first 10 picks. Yeah, so let's kind of focus on the first round and let's start from the beginning. So five defensive players in the first five picks, second most ever after six went to start the 1991 draft. I don't know if there were really any major surprises in the top five, just based on a lot of you know pre-draft reports, mock drafts, all that stuff. But certainly some reasons to maybe kind of question some of these picks or wonder if they were the right move, starting with Jacksonville going edge rusher Trevon Walker out of Georgia with the number one overall pick. What are your thoughts on the Jaguars going with uh, the somewhat unproven Walker over a guy like Aiden Hutchinson, who put yeah, up a monster they seem at Michigan? To- they seem to like his what athletic traits, his combine his, stuff. Yeah, his oh. testing numbers, his his upside, his potential. Right, and Jackson Jacksonville feels like they can work with that, and they feel like he's the better or he's the best option of anybody on the board. And uh, who am I to say? I'm not going to pretend to know if if he is the actual better option than Aiden Hutchinson. But a lot of people think Aiden Hutchinson was the the right choice at at one instead and so i guess we'll see but it's one yeah. to think about because i, no, I think obvi- most obviously we'll us. see how yeah. it plays out but i think for a jaguars team that five years ago you're in the afc championship game and you've been a joke every single year since you just came out of that urban meyer fiasco last year this offseason some questionable moves from both a personnel standpoint, some free agency signings. We'll talk about Christian Kirk in a little bit. Uh, but this, to me, seemed like a spot where you got to take the the known commodity. you got to take the guy, Aiden Hutchinson, who you know is just as about of a sure thing as you can get. Someone who is awesome at Michigan. He put up the numbers. Walker feels a lot more hypothetical to me. And yes, down the road, he could maybe put everything together and be that guy, but it just feels like... Do you really want to do that number one overall? Yeah, right, yeah, with the his, number one overall pick. like That doesn't yeah, seem when, like the time when, to go with that. When we were talking the last few minutes of the last episode about the draft, I, I should have clarified better and said that Jacksonville should think about trading number one because not because the top guys are defensive ends, but because there's not really a for sure thing. Like The best thing would be probably Hutchinson. Mm-hmm. And so I thought it would have been smart, smarter if the Jacksonville were to trade out. But I don't think anyone wanted to trade up. Yeah, um, I, I don't think there was anybody. That high. No, especially when there's not a quarterback worth taking number one overall. I think that teams were just ready to have the board come to them. Right. And the Lions were very ready because as soon as Walker goes in, they're bringing their pick for Hutchinson. Like, they got yelled at by the NFL with how I love they that. I, or, I, or I love that the lions did not take their time like we know who we want we're gonna take them <laughs> yes like, you don't like want, that you don't you don't like that guy and when we're doing like fantasy drafts you don't like the guy <laughs> that takes all every single second of the clock uh, like you want them to know who they're gonna take like yeah, right away. there'll be times where it's like oh crap i wanted that guy now who am i gonna take so you're gonna scramble but if you know who you're taking and he lands to you just just don't even waste the ten minutes and drag it out. That's that's definitely one drawback about the NFL draft. One of the many yeah, drawbacks. It, it felt like this year things did move along pretty quickly. Like even after this, there were times where it felt like oh the pick is in like almost right away. It wasn't totally dragged out. You know they still use the TV time as as much as they had allotted, but 
to me, this this pick was always going to happen. If Hutchinson was on the board, the Lions were going to take the local kid from Wayne County, went to Michigan. So it was never a doubt in my mind. And there, some quote from him where I don't know the full context, but he said, I'd be willing to die for this. I assume just some yeah, way to play. He football. matches perfectly with Dan Campbell. There was no doubt. Dan biting Campbell off kneecaps, right? Exactly. <laughs> so um, I, I really like that pick for the Lions. And, um, I, you know, for Hutchinson, it seems pretty nice to stay home. It's so, a good match, especially yeah. being the hometown guy. I don't, I don't know how. Yeah, we'll we'll see if the Lions can ever, you know, turn things around. But uh, from that perspective, there's there's reasons to be excited. Um, number three, another one where not necessarily a surprise, but maybe some question marks. Derek Singley out of LSU to the Houston Texans back in September. This would have made perfect sense, but Singley was a guy who was all over the board. Phenomenal as a freshman at LSU, and then the past two seasons. Yeah, struggled. past couple of seasons, he's had some struggles with injuries. injuries. Yeah, but yeah, that he was projected as a top ten or fifteen guy uh, in the draft several weeks ago. But as the draft got closer and closer, there was a lot of talk about him going number three, and that's what ended up happening. Yeah, and I think they were the only team that would have taken him that high. Yeah, like, it's kind of like the. It's not the same position, but it's kind of like Mac Jones last year where there were a lot of talks. Now, I know he didn't end up going to San Francisco and maybe it was just a smokescreen, but there were a lot of talks about Mac Jones possibly going number three. And if he didn't, he was going to drop all the way to 15 to New England because I don't, uh-huh. I don't, I, there weren't any other teams that were interested uh, outside of San Fran and New England, or at least that's what was reported at least. And so, yeah, if Stingley didn't go three to Houston, I'm curious where he would have ended up going because a lot of draft mock drafts had him going three, but a lot of them also had him outside the top ten going mm. to like to the next Houston pick. <laughs> at, yeah, oh yeah, right. Where there's a possibility they get him at thirteen. I, I quarterback was a big need for the Texans. I yeah. understand them wanting to make sure they got a guy with you know one of their two first round picks, but. Part of me questions whether they should have gone with Ahmad Sauce Gardner out of Cincinnati, who the Jets took at number four overall, and they're getting a ton of praise for their draft, starting with uh, the Gardner choice. Yeah, the Jets, oh God, I hate saying it, but the Jets had a really, really good draft. Uh, getting a top corner in the draft, it could be a debate if you think Stingley or Gardner is better. I don't know, and we'll see. But they Most got, people they definitely top, put Gardner They got them, one of so. the top two corners uh, mm-hmm in the draft and then uh, should, should I, should we go on with the yeah, rest no, of the we draft? Can just, we're on the oh, okay, draft. So we can yeah. just jump ahead. Yeah. So uh, yeah. And then at number 10, they end up getting Garrett Wilson, who was one of the top one consensus, one, two or three receivers in the draft. And that's going to help out Zach Wilson for sure. And then Jermaine Johnson was a guy that was being talked a lot about going to the jets. The jets really were really high on him uh, coming into the draft. And, you know, they they end up not getting him at ten, and so I figured, you know, all right, whatever. Like the Jets aren't going to get him; they'll go to one of these next few teams uh, in the teens range. But then all of a sudden, he keeps dropping and dropping. I wasn't sure why. I don't know if you know. Yeah, but... no, I I don't know if there was a reason. He was an interesting one because he was initially looked at as a later first round pick, and then started to shoot up as he got closer. And then there were talks about him going the top five. Oh, uh, I know. So and and I didn't think that was going to happen, but uh, there was definitely a chance. And but that ended up not happening. But no way I thought he would drop that far the way people were talking about him. And so the Jets decided to say, you know what, we're going to trade up and get 
our guy at a much uh, bigger value, and that's what they ended up doing. And I think it was a, I think all three of those moves were great moves for the Jets. Yeah, the Jets, the Jets had a, a great draft, particularly in the first round. Not the first time that anyone has said the Jets have had a great draft, uh, so I don't know that this is a guarantee that, oh, they're turning things around in East Rutherford, but... Yeah, that might have been the first time I've ever happy. complimented the Jets on anything. <laughs> <laughs> there hasn't so been that, a whole lot of reason to, especially since we started doing this a few years ago. So. Yeah, so uh, if I compliment the Jets on something, then that shows you that, yeah, they, they definitely had a great draft. Yeah, and then a, another team that had a couple picks in the top 10, also from New Jersey, the New York Giants. And they, they were on the board at five. I think that there were a lot of people who thought they would take the top offensive lineman at this spot. They instead decided to go with edge rusher Kayvon Thibodeau out of Oregon, someone who some people had questions about his, his love for football and his passion, but he was considered a number one overall pick uh, potential for yeah, a lot of the, the draft process, at lane. least early in the season. Yeah, in 2021, during football season, when I look at some mock drafts, they would all say Kayvon Thibodeau, number one overall. I'm like, all right, mm-hmm. well, this guy's going to go number one overall. But then, yeah, and he ended up dropping, and there were questions about, his, like you said, love for football. And I think the Giants got a good pick uh, at, at five. So were you surprised? And I guess do you agree with their decision to take him here over their choice of offensive tackle? No, I wasn't surprised. No, I think it was the right choice because when it came to... So they needed offensive tackle. I think that's a bigger need than mm-hmm. alignment. But so there were three clear top three choices at offensive line, which was Ikuanu. Ike Ikuanu. Yeah, he, he ended up going six to Carolina in between the two picks. Evan Neal and then Charles Cross. None of them were taken uh, by the time. So they figured, you know what? Let's take the best player on the board which made sense taking Thibodeau and then, and then let's wait and see who who's available at seven because Carolina, if they weren't going to trade, they were going to take an offensive lineman. Yeah. They were, they were always going to take someone. It made sense for Carolina to go with Aquanu, uh, similar and, to and Hutchinson, North, Charlotte, hometown, North Carolina. And, yeah. It's yeah. actual hometown guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I was a little surprised when it's Thibodeau. I was expecting them to choose the offensive lineman, but basically this, this pick told me two things. One was that, the Giants didn't really have a preference when it came to Aquanu and Neal, or at the very least, they they thought Neal was maybe the guy they were expecting Aquanu to go there. Uh, but then also, had Carolina potentially traded with someone, if someone were to go up and take Thibodeau at six, right. they didn't they wouldn't be like able to get him drop at seven. off. So that's why yeah. I, that's why so. I did like that choice to pick. Yeah, I think position. when I thought more about it, I was like, this makes perfect sense. Evan Neal's another the, guy who was a number one projection at some point. So. The Jets were talked a lot about getting Aquanu, and I, that might have made it made the decision a little bit more difficult if he weren't there as well. Mm-hmm. Where but, they would have felt like they had to go with Neal there, depending right. how they viewed with Charles Cross, who ends up going nine to Seattle. Right, that too. So, But I think it was a no-brainer to take Debido at five. and Because another thing about their two picks is that so it ended up being Trayvon Walker at number one, but Thibodeau and Evan Neal were at one point uh, talked a lot about as the number one pick. Mm-hmm. Now Thibodeau for much longer time, but there was a point where Evan Neal was being discussed as the number one pick. Yeah, which I think a lot of that just came down to there was again no consensus number one guy, so there weren't 
you know, someone could say, oh, Jacksonville needs all these things. They need an edge rusher. They need an offensive lineman. So yeah, a bunch you, of different guys ever, are mocked to them. Have you ever seen a draft like that where there are seven different guys being talked about being never. the guy? No, that, it never <laughs> happens. Because normally it's like a quarterback. So everyone knows. Maybe people debate which quarterback should be one and two. But for the most part, you know, going in, like we knew for months before the draft that Trevor Lawrence was going to Jacksonville as soon as they got the number one pick. And, uh, and that, this was part year, of my, that was part of my rationale with Jacksonville trading out is that not only is there no well of course they already have a quarterback but mm-hmm. there they, aren't any quarterbacks in this like at the top of the very top of the draft there aren't any quarterbacks and there isn't a consensus guy like in the past okay we've had defensive ends be consensus number one guy one was Clowney who hasn't really he hasn't lived up to being the number one pick but he was he deserved to be at the time the number one guy yeah injuries and, definitely hurt him he had moments by the end yeah. of Houston they just Texans didn't want to pay him and as soon as he leaves Houston his his career and then the other guy Miles Garrett who uh-huh. does has lived up to yes he, he has pick. definitely proven to be worth the number one overall pick right uh, so at this point, we started to see a run on receivers. So we mentioned Garrett Wilson, the Jets. Drake London goes number eight to the Falcons. The Saints trade up twice to get Chris Olave at 11. And then Jamison Williams, the Lions trade all the way up 32 to 12 to get him. And I think this this quickly became the story of the draft with all these wide receivers going high in the first round. And I think that tells us a lot about the direction with where the league is going and how teams are valuing wide receivers. Oh, just look at what happened last year with Cincinnati. There was a huge debate on who they should pick, and it was between two guys, Jamar Chase or Penny Sewell, and they ended up taking Jamar Chase. And they were minutes away from winning a Super Bowl, possibly. And and that shows you how great of a pick that was to go with the receiver. And I think teams are realizing that the wide receiver position is more important than ever and not saying that offensive line isn't important but look at look how many receivers went in the first round (laughs) yeah oh there are so many and like there's there's this huge run on them and i think some of those guys were maybe taken a little earlier than expected yeah there were there were ones that deserved to be in the first round like jameson williams now i know he got injured Mm-hmm. But he's Lions still gonna have to wait to be, for him, but he's still gonna be able to play at some point. This yeah, year. he still deserved to be a first round pick. He probably would have gone higher if he didn't get injured. And mm-hmm. then there was Drake London and Garrett Wilson. Yeah, I think when all people of talk the about them. They who went to be in no- the first round made sense to go in the first round. And then Chris Olave, even he went a little bit. Now he went to the team I thought he would go to, the Saints, but even he went higher than I expected. And then uh-huh. there were guys like, uh, is it? Trayvon or Traylon, yeah, so uh, Jahan Dotson, Jahan Dotson, Traylon Burks, and then Traylon Burks to the Titans at eighteen. Yeah, so. that, th- those were guys that I thought would be late first, early second, maybe not even first round picks, and they ended up being in the teens. Which is like, yeah, wow, no, I, I thought they really... would both go in the first, but I, I agree, I didn't think they would go that high. Uh, the so I was surprised by the Dotson to Washington pick, but then. I saw the next day as he's like being flown into Washington, he gets off the plane holding a football in his hand. And apparently he just does that. He always has a football on him. Uh, So I think that's fun. I was, part of me was like, liked the idea of him going to the Steelers at 20, but was also like, would that be a reach to take him that high? So when the, when Washington took him at 16, it felt like it, but there are a lot of people who were really high on Dotson. He's someone who can stretch the field, made a lot of huge plays for Penn state this past year. And that's what Sean Clifford as his quarterback. So I don't know if Carson Wentz is that much of an upgrade, but I think long-term, if Washington can find their right quarterback, Dotson 
teaming up with Terry McLaurin could be a really solid one-two duo. And they got some extra picks. If yes, which we'll see. Which AJ Brown got paid, but not by the Tennessee Titans. The the first major. Well, I guess the second major because Marquise Brown got traded. Marquise Brown got traded. Yes. That Even was though reported, the pick was and later, then f- like but five or ten minutes later, the AJ, AJ Brown. Brown is going to the Eagles. Right. So, I guess, what are your thoughts on that trade from both a Philly perspective and a Tennessee perspective? Oh, I think Philly hit a home run. <laughs> uh, Tennessee, wow. Okay, they get the 18th pick and a fourth rounder back, and they use it on okay another receiver. Hope, hopefully, for t- Tennessee's perspective, he pans out. But I, I, I didn't like it from Tennessee's aspect I, I thought philly won that trade for sure and i know that they had to pay him and it's a yeah. big contract but i still uh-huh. i still think philly won I, that trade. i don't love the four-year hundred million for aj brown um but i mean that's the way the wide receiver market is going christian kirk getting 18 million a year from the jaguars just blew up everything that's why tyreek hill that's always going to be brought Adams up traded. anytime Anytime a wide receiver gets mentioned and like, all right, how much is he going to get? Like, oh, he might get this or that. Well, Christian Kirk got this. If he got this, then this guy should get this. That's Christian Kirk is oh, that contract is so bad that it's always going to be brought up in these talks like this. Oh, for sure. And it, it might be only a matter of time before the wide receiver. Oh, all right. <laughs> yeah, first just, update on the Celtics. <laughs> the Celtics are up twenty to six. Wow. All right. Yeah. That's nice. Didn't even look up once at the TV. Yeah. I just, I just see the score. Like, all right. Well, I have to say something. I thought I would be able to see it in the background, but like you're, you're definitely blocking 23. it. So that's, <laughs> 23. All right. To eight okay. Well, like, hey, if they if they can hold on to this, make it one to one, I'll feel much, much better uh, as this series shifts in Milwaukee. I but, would not have said anything if it were just a normal score, but I'm like, all right, uh-huh. I got it. I was like, something happened. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, I think. Um, the Eagles paying AJ Brown that kind of money feels like a lot, but how many times have they drafted receivers in oh, the first and second rounds? Drafting receivers now, Devontae Smith. That was a good choice. Yeah, that but that was one that seems Jaylen like a good Rieger start. Jalen Rieger over yeah. Justin Jefferson. I, even even someone like me uh, who doesn't watch really much college football at all, even I was looking at that like, what are they doing with this? Yeah, pick? and that that's been awful. Jaden Arthega Whiteside. Yeah, they're Arcega converting to a tight end, try to save his career. Our single white side is not great either. Nelson and, Aguilar, that's a throwback. Yeah, but. and, and I, I, I haven't, I didn't like him before he was on the Patriots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so from that perspective, I think that the Eagles are right. Get a guy that you know is is a good player. You know he's a number one receiver. Should be a good pairing with Devontae Smith. We'll see in terms of like how these wide receiver contracts play out. But I think that's another thing that some of these teams were thinking in terms of making sure they 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 got a guy in the first round is they want that fifth-year option. Tennessee had to make that decision. San Francisco is in a weird spot with Debo Samuel, Seattle with DK Metcalf, the Steelers with Deontay Johnson. They're guys who are up for extensions. You're like, do we want to pay them 20 million plus right now? I think it's something that a lot of teams are trying to figure out reportedly the Titans wouldn't even get to 20 with AJ Brown, like a serious low ball offer. So yeah, that, that's not great, especially when he's your only good receiver on your team. Yeah. I mean, they, they moved on from Julio Jones after one disastrous season. They traded for Robert Woods. who's coming off a torn ACL. Traylon Burks is supposedly like a great comp to AJ Brown. So maybe they'll get a cheaper version of Brown, you know, just keep him going. But if he doesn't pan out, then the, the Titans can certainly regret that down the road. Oh, yeah, for sure. So I guess in between some of those receiver picks, Eagles move up 
to 13 to take Jordan Davis nose tackle from uh, Georgia. And I think a lot of teams were very disappointed when he went, particularly the Ravens. The Ravens in front at of 14. Yes. I, I, I figured he was going to go there if, if he was still on the board by then. And so uh, the Eagles trading up to get him, that probably disappointed Baltimore, which I'm sure yeah. you're happy about. Well, I, I, on the one hand, yeah, at the time I was, but instead the Ravens end up getting Kyle Hamilton at 14. Who is the number one safety? Yes, who board. was someone who was viewed as like the number two pick in the draft at some points in, in terms of just how good he is, you know, from personal value, who's never going to go that high. But this could be an absolute steal, uh, especially after just signing Marcus Williams in the offseason. They could have a, a really solid safety tandem for the next couple of years. Another thing about the Ravens draft, I'll admit this kind of going past the first round, but they they had an awesome draft. Yeah, <laughs> they, they drafted potentially two future Hall of Famers in the first round and Kyle Hamilton <laughs> and Tyler Linderbaum center with the 25th overall pick. Those are two guys that you could argue drop to them. I think that Linderbaum is kind of all over the place in terms of his draft projection. But yeah, the Ravens the Ravens come away with two really good players in the first round and it did keep going from there. I mean, we talked about the Eagles with Jordan Davis and A.J. Brown the Jets earlier. I think those are the three teams that everyone's like, they killed the draft, like A plus grades, your Jets, the Eagles, and then yeah, the Ravens. So yeah, I, I would, if I had to pick one team, I, I I love what the Eagles did. I hate it from my personally, but, <laughs> but See, no, I, I, at least I, they're I, on the other side of the conference. Like they're a team that you don't have to play twice a year. Right. The, uh, yeah, the Ravens, they came away as, as big winners, which we're, we're going to get to winners and losers specifically. Right. We can talk more about everything that they did there. <laughs> but uh, spoiler alert for that section. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in between, we had the Texans take Kenyon Green, and then the Chargers, two picks later, take Zion Johnson. Two guards going off the board in the top 20. Yeah, I, I, th- I think I think the Chargers made the right move in picking an offensive lineman I, to protect Herbert really their biggest they they got Rashawn Slater last year but get more more Mm -hmm. help on on their line um, to help to protect Herbert I think it was a good move uh, at 17 Houston I'll admit I don't know Houston has a long way to go so I guess they yeah no matter they had a need everywhere all right well they (laughs) they got help here but they have a lot more holes in their rosters Uh I can't really say if it's gonna help or not the picking a guard when they have so many holes on their roster it did feel like Houston reached with their first two picks with Stingley and um, Kenyon Green. I don't but, mind the stealing one as one as much because he, if he were healthy, he was known as the like shut down corner number one guy. And yeah, and that, that is a that big if. Uh-huh. I get it. I, th- yes, I think no, if, I think if uh, he plays like corner, that, uh-huh. shut down corner outs after quarterback. I think shut down corner is one of the most, if not the second most uh, important position in football. Yes, I, I agree with that. Uh, if he does play like he did in 2019, he does not have those injury issues. Those are behind him. Then he's absolutely worth the third overall pick. But there's a risk. And Sauce Gardner is a guy who had a phenomenal season at Cincinnati. He doesn't have those kind of injury concerns of the drop-off to end his career. So that, that's the reason why it's like I would have gone Gardner there. But again, I'm not ready to s- dismiss Singley yet because we know what the potential is with him. And I think the Texans, as the draft went on, they made some really great decisions in the second, third, fourth round. I think they added a lot of pieces. So it's just a matter of do they take guys in the right spots when it comes down to it? You know, if they, they nailed these picks and they're setting themselves up in good position moving forward. 
So, um, and then 19, and this was the, the last spot where there are some question marks. The Saints, after going Chris Olave, they take Trevor Penning here, and that completed several teams passing on quarterbacks, something that some experts said was going to happen. I never truly believed that the Steelers would have their pick of quarterbacks in number 20, and I was convinced that Malik Willis was going to be the guy. Just all the pre-draft reporting said Malik so, Willis. So, like so the Steelers loved him. That that was it. That was what every everybody was saying. Like people from within Pittsburgh, like so many mock drafts had him. And it was turns like the Mac out Jones Trey Lance thing all over again. Yeah, it, it turns out that Malik Willis was the guy because they didn't think Kenny Pickett would be there, and Kenny Pickett was the guy all along, keeping him in Pittsburgh. I. Part of me, as Franco Harris is getting ready to make the pick, I was like, it's going to be Kenny Pickett, isn't it? And then sure enough, it's it's Kenny Pickett. And then I, I didn't know how to react at first because I had spent weeks convincing myself that not only Willis was the guy, but he was the right choice, that he was the, the better pick there, that he's someone who has like this high ceiling, like he's he can do all these things. And then I had to all of a sudden be like, oh, no, now I need to get back on the Kenny Pickett hype train, which I was kind of on in watching him at, at Pitt back in you know November, December, into January. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, 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 I guess what are your thoughts on the Steelers going quarterback here in terms of just this class in general, given he's, he's the only quarterback that Quar- went until the third round? Yeah, so even though it's a weak quarterback class, I think it was smart on Pittsburgh's aspect that they picked quarterback. I would have taken the quarterback. I don't know which one I would have taken. I'm not going to pretend to know if Pickett was the better option or if Malik Willis is the better option, but but I think it was it made all the sense in the world to take a quarterback at 20. Yeah. I I was so back and forth on it. Uh <laughs> when it comes down to it, do I believe that Mitch Trubisky is the future in Pittsburgh? No. Uh, you don't you know, need to do ask I, me if I think that or not. Yeah, do I think that uh Chicago kind of ruined him and it's possible that Buffalo fix some of his problems and he can be a competent bridge quarterback absolutely and even I I can admit that that if Chicago stinks and you know what hey he he was one year in Buffalo behind Josh Allen similar kind of quarterback just Josh Allen's a lot better but hey maybe maybe it could pan out for Pittsburgh we'll see yeah like there's there's reasons to to believe but there's also plenty of reason to be like well we we saw not a, a lot of stellar quarterback play out of him for four years and that's why I was kind of back and forth over whether or not I wanted the Steelers to go quarterback in this situation or take a guy to bolster the defense. Because the reality is the Steelers are, they have the fourth highest ceiling of any team in the AFC North because they have the fourth best quarterback. You know, when, when you have Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, and Deshaun Watson in the division, those teams are naturally going to be looked at as Super Bowl contenders. And you're going to be like, well, we feel like we can be a competitive team, but you know, it's it feels like it's gonna have to take feel as something confident like when you have Trubisky against Deshaun against Watson, Joe Burrow, yeah. and, and Lamar Jackson, and it, it feels like something like last year needs to happen again, where Cleveland has uh, just disaster strike. Baker Mayfield gets hurt, and you know whatever happened, they they were just the Browns again, and then the the Ravens start off great, Lamar Jackson gets hurt, and they lose out to end the season. Like the, a lot had to go the Steelers' way for them to make the playoffs last year. That even with the some of the additions they've made. I don't know if there's a whole lot of reason to be super optimistic about this team in 2020, no, 2022. 2022. So now the question is, is Kenny Pickett really a long-term answer? Is he the kind of guy that you need to, to win in the NFL? 
and he has a lot more mobility than 39 year old Ben Roethlisberger. He has some solid weapons. He, you know, both running back Najee Harris, receivers, um, and then the offensive line should be much better. So long term, we'll see. I mean, part of me wants to believe that he'll he'll be the guy that he's gonna be a great pro. I know part of the appeal from Steelers themselves was he has a high floor, whereas some of those other guys they weren't as sure of a thing. Uh, so it's just a matter, is he going to be in that class of guys like Joe Burrow or Justin Herbert or some other ones where you can kind of see some of those physical comparisons to? Because that's, that's probably what you need to win in this league. So, um, And that, that's really what's going to come down to whether it made sense for the Steelers to go quarterback here or look for another position and kick the quarterback can down the road. But, you know, everyone says next year's class is great. Unless they bottom out, they're not going to have a chance to get one of those top quarterbacks. So I, I get it. They're in a rare spot a to take the, a guy the, at 20. Next year's quarterback class with Stroud and Bryce Young. Yeah, Richardson from Florida. Like, there are a handful of guys, but, you know, again, unless you're a top 10 pick, you're probably not going to get one of them, or you're going to have to give up significant draft capital to do it. So if you can take the number one quarterback on your board with the 20th overall pick and you have a need for a long-term quarterback, it's hard not to do that. So I, t- I totally get it. Just got to hope that Pickett proves to be the guy. So from there, uh, no more receivers. There was no more quarterbacks in the first round. Saw a lot of defenders go off the board, and the Patriots were on the clock at 21. They trade back with the Chiefs. So let- let's start with everything that happened, picks 21 through 28. And Kansas City goes Trent McDuffie, cornerback Washington. Makes sense that they'd want to bolster their defense. Um, Green Bay Packers. Now, this was a little bit of a surprise. Uh, the, part of it was there probably wasn't a wide receiver worth taking in the first round, but they yeah, decided to go two Georgia I, defenders at 22 and 28. That's why I wasn't surprised by Green Bay's decision at 22 because like all the good – like the top elite guys were of course gone by 22 but even the ones that you thought would be late first rounders like Burks and Dotson they end up going in the teens it's like all right well both those guys are gone so if you take a receiver here it's very very likely going to be a reach so just take the whatever you, they thought they the best guy was on the board and, and they took Quay Walker so I was yep. actually not surprised by that pick yeah, I mean, it It was one of those things where I think in the moment, you're like, all these receivers went, and then you kind of think about it, and you're like, oh, I, I guess that makes sense to me. Um, they also traded up in the second round to get Christian Watson with the right. 34th pick, so they got their receiver right away. Um, also, I think it's smart move on the Packers going with Walker and Devontae Wyatt because they could save money on equipment. They they just bring their old Georgia helmets, just do a quick spray paint. <laughs> yeah, just got to re- recolor it, right? <laughs> yeah. So that, there you go. Nice nice cost-saving cost move uh, by the, the Green Bay ownership. I knew they were both Georgia guys, but it didn't cross my mind. Like, uh, oh, yeah, the logo. I thought about that right away when it was like same. Georgia. Yeah. Uh, um, then the Bills traded up to get Kair Elam. Uh, so another cornerback goes at 23. Yeah, good move for the Bills to get a corner. That's I think that was their biggest mm-hmm. need. So yeah, especially after Tredavious White got hurt last year, like their their secondary became exposed, and you know we saw against Kansas City how <laughs> how easy it was for the Chiefs to drive down on them. Didn't yeah, matter how much time was on the yeah, ball. and look what the Chiefs did with their first pick. They took a corner. They yeah, we the won that thing. game, but we yeah. also gave up four touchdowns to Gabriel Davis. Uh, <laughs> so let's I know it it made a lot of sense for both those teams to go corners there. Definitely a position that I think the Steelers could have considered, but I'm just my brain just does not want to believe that the Steelers can ever get 
a quarterback selection right just based on history guys like yeah. Artie Burns, Sanquez Golson like it, it's just they can never do it amazing at drafting receivers terrible at drafting corners so from that perspective I I'm not all that upset that the Steelers passed on those guys even though it was somewhat of a need to uh have a young corner under contract with most of their guys only around for one or two years on their current deals so Dallas ends up going Tyler Smith offensive tackle from Tulsa this was seen as a bit of a reach uh, as much as a position of need for them especially after cutting Lael Collins uh, this, they definitely need Smith to work out yeah I'm not going to pretend if the guy can play or not but the position of need I think was right for Dallas now Dallas has historically had a great offensive lines but I think I think it was smart now to take an offensive lineman just given that who, who they've lost now um, yeah it, it made sense for them to target that that position I I Part of me feels like they could have moved back or maybe even taken Tyler Linderbaum instead, but I guess center isn't as big of a deal for them. Um, it, tackle makes a lot more sense, so I get it from that perspective. And there probably wasn't a, another guy that was like that much better who made sense in that spot. Um, so we talked about Linderbaum to the Ravens, Jermaine Johnson to the Jets, Devin Lloyd to the Jaguars at 27. As much as I didn't like the Dervon Walker pick to them, I loved them getting Lloyd here just in the sense that I, I he was a guy that I, I fell in love with watching the Pac-12 championship game seeing what he did against Oregon for Utah uh, I remember back in, in in December when we talked about that I was like I'd love the Steelers to get him but I don't think they'll be able to he's me a top 10 pick I don't necessarily know why he went down to 27 what changed with him but I've seen a lot of draft grades that are very high on this pick. So I'm, I'm confident that as much as that first pick was maybe questionable, Jacksonville, it's coming away with a, a really solid first round tandem. Kind of similar to Jermaine Johnson, where there are plenty of mocks and a lot of people talking about how he, he could be a top 10 pick. And then as it got closer to the draft, I saw his name drop far uh, further down in drafts, but I didn't see end of the first round uh, for Devin Lloyd. And I'll admit, I wish the Patriots were in on him because linebacker is definitely a, a position that I think they should have, should and sh- should have valued more in this draft I, and just this offseason in general. Yeah, I definitely saw a lot of mock drafts that had the Patriots taking Devin Lloyd at 21. They, of course, move back to 29 and they go with Cole Strange, a guard out of Tennessee. Uh, strange pick, right? <laughs> in more ways than one. This was. Uh, Definitely got panned uh, from experts to a drunk Sean McVay. There were a lot of a lot of reactions to this, and not many. <laughs> yeah, Sean McVay ones. was hammered in that video. <laughs> yeah. What What's crazy is that there's actually an extended video of of that same uh, video. So yeah, we, see, we all see the 15 second clip of Wow, 29 U T shot <laughs> nuke. I thought he was going to be at 104. Ha ha ha. But uh-huh. as the video, there's like another video that goes on where. Uh, Les Snead actually talks about why they liked Cole Strange. It's like, all right, well, they, okay. they weren't just crapping on like, oh, like, wow, what were they thinking? But maybe they kind of were, or it was kind of implied, but they, I think they, in the moment, one, they're hammered, but two, I think they also were thinking like, oh, we're going to get this guy in the third round. It's going to be such a steal. But then all of a sudden, oh, he went 29. No, never mind. Yeah, I know. Well, there there have definitely been some teams that, like, there, there's reports come out that they were interested in them in the second round, third yeah. round. It, it felt like the Patriots could have gotten them later. And I, I think oh, that... Oh, yeah. I, I, I feel yeah, that. I felt that, that as well. And I, uh, I know that, 
like you just said, there are a lot of, there are a lot of reports that oh, there are these teams that they wanted him in the Cole Strange in the thirties, but even so, I when you watch that game, the the Patriots playoff game versus Buffalo, where they gave up a touchdown in every position, did you come away from that game thinking, huh? You know, the Patriots, if they had a guard, they they, they could have been in that game. If if only they had a guard. <laughs> No, no, I didn't because they had Shaq Mason, so I didn't think they had to need that guard. That's why I hate about this pick is that, okay, they actually did need guard uh, help at guard because they traded Shaq Mason for a fifth-round pick for whatever reason, and Uh they they didn't bring back Tooney. Uh, He's in Kansas City now, and then they they also don't have Ted Karras anymore. He's in Cincinnati, and so it actually did become a position of need because of just getting rid of guys. They didn't necessarily have to make. I, I'm I'm not a fan of this pick. It just, and you know what? Can Cole Strange play? I'm I'm not one to judge. Maybe there are a lot be. of comparisons being made to Logan Mankins. Yeah, a just, lot, which I, I'll admit, I don't know if I love that. It's a lot of pressure to but put. But I a get guy. I get the comparison because like all right, well Logan Mankins was this unknown commodity. Yeah, first round pick at guard and from all a small end up being a, a multiple time Pro Bowler. So mm-hmm. I get it, but I I don't know just. Taking a guy from an FCS level school who spent six years <laughs> at the school too. And so oh, I didn't a, know he was there for six years. Yeah, he was there for six years. He's a 24 year old rookie, and so he's he's going from an FC, FCS level school, and he's an older than usual rookie. And so I, I'll and, and they probably could have gotten him a little bit later, possibly. And so and it's not a position of need in my or the biggest position of need in my opinion. And so. I was not really a fan of that pick. And do you want me to go on with the rest of the draft? Well, so in in like a couple minutes. Right. Um, so I I think the Patriots would have been much better off with Shaq Mason and Devin Lloyd as opposed to Cole Strange and yeah, and not Devin Lloyd. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So no, I, uh, I'm yeah. with you there. Yeah. Uh, I guess the the last I'd... three picks. So George George Karloftis, the the Chiefs, um, another defensive player. Makes sense, especially in when we talked about with wide receivers, not necessarily being a guy that made sense for them at the end of the first round. They load up on defense. They got a receiver later. And then safeties ended out. Bengals, Dax Hill, Vikings, Lewis Seen. Um, the one thing I want to say to the Bengals is it is May 3rd. As of right now, we are almost a month into the Major League Baseball season, and the Bengals still have more wins in 2022 than the Reds. <laughs> the Bengals won four games in 2022 in January, and the Reds have three wins and 19 losses to start the season. Oh, my God. That's bad. Yeah. So <laughs> there you go. Snuck baseball into there. Um, but, yeah, Dax Hill, it kind of makes sense, especially with Jesse Bates um, in impending free agent playing on the franchise tag. Lewis Seen for the Vikings. I don't know if Harrison Smith's in a similar situation, but it makes sense to them. To want to go younger secondary in those spots. Bengals covered offensive line seemingly in the free agency, so they could focus on defense instead. So, yes, with that, let's talk about how we feel overall about teams' drafts, and I'll let you get started with the Patriots, where things went after that strange pick. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> I already went on my rant about the strange pick, and obviously I'm not really a big fan of that pick. Now, he'll be a, a first-year starter, so I guess I like that. When That's you, when good. You, yeah. When you're when you're drafting in this round, you better hope it's some unless if it's a quarterback and you want to use him as a project. 
basically first round picks like you hope they start right away and Cole Strange will start right away especially when you just factor in that the Patriots don't really have that much at the position so so I guess that's good and we'll see if he ends up panning out or not and another thing about this pick is that we'll see how so they traded from 21 right and the Chiefs took McDuffie and the Bills took Elam and I thought corner was another big uh, position to me for the Patriots given that they don't have JC Jackson anymore and, and after that it's it's not good uh, at corner for the Patriots so uh-huh. we'll see uh, for years to come we're, I'm going to definitely pay attention to see how good McDuffie is how good Elam is and then at linebacker, linebacker how good Quay Walker and Devin Lloyd are and, and so those are guys to pay attention to for me personally and other Patriots fans I'd imagine and so can he play I don't know I don't know. If, even if he can, I'll admit I'm not a fan of the pick either way. And so, yeah, so after the first round pick, they end up taking Tyquan Thornton in the second round at wide receiver uh, from out of Baylor. And I remember when it was this round, I texted you that John Menchie went to, got drafted 44 overall to Houston. And I'll admit I wasn't yep. a fan of that because I wanted the Patriots to take him. Oh, I know. Because I, I, I figured it made all that sense in the world that uh-huh. him and Mac Jones are paired together. And I, I think he's, his skill set fits what the Patriots are looking for at receiver. And so, yeah, my brother, out. I guess I don't, my brother texted me and said, I can't wait to hear Brian rip on the Texans draft. And I said, well, I hated the Mechie pick, but I think that's because he wanted the Patriots to take him. Exactly. <laughs> I wanted the Patriots to take him. Uh-huh. So, uh, so when I texted you about that, you texted me back. So, you know, so much more about college football than I do. And so I, I mean, I, kinda, I just knew I, the I receivers there because more. I knew the Steelers had a need as well. I so. rely on people uh, when it comes to the college football. And so when I texted you about the John Mechie thing, you texted me back saying, hey, you know, the Patriots, they could get George Pickens, Alec Pierce or Sky Moore. And so when the Patriots traded up at 50 to move a few spots up, I, I was thinking receiver and they did take a receiver, but ended up being Tyquan Thornton. And so really fast, really fast. And I'll, I'll admit, I don't, I don't love the pick because one, okay, I don't trust the Patriots when it comes to receivers. And another thing about the Patriots is that, so it's like you with corner with the Steelers that, like I said, you don't trust them when it comes to re- corner, but for me, mm-hmm. receivers with the Patriots. So I don't have a good track record. And another thing about Patriots is that, so a lot of the receivers like Nikhil Harry, Chad Jackson, Bethel Johnson, they've had receivers that they take in, in the first and second round that have not panned out and it's typically because they have one great skill set so Nikhil Harry when he was drafted he was someone that had he, he's he's built like a wide receiver and he, he has he at the time in college he could get contested catches really well but he's a crappy route runner and not the greatest speed either and so that's kind of been exposed in the NFL. And so that's why mm-hmm. I worry about with Tyquan Thornton is that, okay, he's fast, but he's not great really elsewhere. And he has small hands like Kenny Pickett, apparently. He was a projected fourth-round pick, <laughs> And he's a projected fourth-rounder, so, so he could have gotten later, just like two Cole rounds Strange. earlier. Uh-huh. And then, so yeah, you texted me early, uh, as that pick came that, like, oh, the Patriots, they could be in Pickens, Pierce, or Sky Moore. After the Tyquan Thornton pick, those are the, like the three next guys <laughs> that were taken yeah, three right in a away. row. It's just like, uh-huh. great. The way this is going, especially since one of those teams was Pittsburgh, who does have a good yeah. track record at wide receiver, that's something I'm going to look at for years to come as well because we saw with Nikhil Harry, he sucks, while A.J. Brown, Debo Samuel, and D.K. Metcalf are great. 
I'm going to look to see if Taekwon Thornton lives up to the hype. And mm-hmm. So the Patriots traded guys. up with the Chiefs, right? From yeah, 56 to 50. Chiefs. So they did mm-hmm. two Chiefs trades. Yeah, so I did read, uh, I think it was someone on NFL.com. They said, this reminds me of 2006 when the Patriots traded up with the Packers to take Chad Jackson. Yeah. And the Packers Chad instead J- took Western Michigan receiver Greg Jennings. And the Chiefs took Western Michigan receiver Sky Moore. So we'll Great. see if it plays out the same way. I'm but. sure. I'm sure it will, especially when you factor in one of them has Mahomes as his quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I'll admit I'm... I'm not loving that pick, especially hearing that they could have gotten him in the fourth round or he was a projected fourth round pick. So mm-hmm. I wasn't really a fan of that pick either. And then so the next two picks they had in the third and fourth round, they took two corners, uh, one Marcus Jones and another guy, Jack Jones. Great. So we got Marcus Jones, Jack Jones, Mac Jones, Jonathan Jones. Going to be keeping be up that, with the Joneses. Yeah, they could keep up with the Joneses and be in that car com- truck commercial with Chevy, <laughs> Tommy yeah. Jones. But uh yeah, so they took two corners, both last name Jones, and Marcus Jones, he was a great return man at Houston, but he's also 5'8", so I'm not sure if I love that the size at that position. Yeah, what I heard is he's he's more returner than cornerback. So that worries me that he's Cyrus Jones 2.0 all over again, if you remember Cyrus Jones yeah. in Alabama, where he was a corner and, and touted one, good one, but he was more of a return guy, and either uh, way, he sucked, he sucked no matter what he did, <laughs> so... I worry about that a little bit. And then Jack Jones is another undersized corner, but he's also had off the field issues where he apparently had one incident where he like broke into like some restaurant and I don't know, some other things. And so another undersized corner, but also, uh, also some off the field issues. And then also going back to uh, Marcus Jones, not only is undersized, but he's also had uh, shoulder surgery on both shoulders and so well that's not so they're durability concerns as well so i'll admit I'm, I'm feeling even though it's positions of need i'm not feeling great about those picks either and then after that they took it took two running backs and a quarterback with their next three picks two running backs when you already have damien harris ramondre stevenson and i know james white is getting to the end and so he might not mm-hmm. even be on the roster but still like Running back is not that important of a position for the Patriots, and they took two of them, uh, the, and and then they took a yeah they took a quarterback in a weak quarterback Zappy. class. Yeah, they, they, hey Brian Hoare is not going to be around forever, right? That's true. Yeah, <laughs> need need a long term backup. Yeah, no. So Kevin Harris, South Carolina, he was a six round pick. He was awesome in twenty twenty, not as good in twenty twenty one. I think injuries was an issue. He had back surgery in the off season. So if he plays like he did in twenty twenty, he could be a Solid he looks duo like a big with Damian. Dude. Yeah. Oh, he is. He like he is. AJ we'll see his potential there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, that's one where he, I think, heading into the year, he was projected way higher than a six round pick. So we'll see. That could work out. And then who's the other guy? It was like Pierre, Pierre Strong. Strong Jr. Yeah. I think Pierre. he's supposed to be more of like a third down receiving back. So he's out of South Dakota State. So yeah, maybe he's mm-hmm. the James White replacement then. Yeah. But I, I get it. It is weird to draft two running backs when you feel like that's one of your strongest positions. Yeah, so, and then they took a couple more guards and an edge guy, and just, I did not like this draft at all. <laughs> I was not a fan of it whatsoever. You know, the one thing that the Patriots probably have going for them is that nobody liked their draft. All the experts giving them a D that's or a, an F. So. That's the thing. As every, <laughs> every year, for all these years, uh, all these writers, they give great draft grades to the Belichick and the Patriots, and not all of them pan out. But every year, it's always like, oh, A, Belichick, he he won this draft, no doubt about it. But this, I feel like this is the first time in 
ever, maybe, uh, as long as I can remember, yeah, no, that everyone no is, is crapping on the Patriots mm-hmm. draft. And so that worries yeah, me. Yeah, so that- it's just a matter of is Belichick really smarter than everyone else? He needs to make them all look silly, or is, uh, you know, he passed his he prime just, and yeah. that he's not dialed in as much as he used to be uh, with these picks? Or I don't know, is he even making these picks, or is it, mm-hmm. uh, is it more of a collaborative effort now? I feel like last year it was a collaborative effort because I feel like Belichick would never take a quarterback in the first. <laughs> yeah, round. that's what a lot of the rumors are. And um, so, I, so I think I think it's more of a collaborative effort uh, now more than ever, especially now that Belichick is seventy. Mm-hmm. Regardless, it, it it sounds like all of or a lot of these picks were reaches compared to the the consensus. So that's not a great start. We'll see if they end up working out in the long term. But regardless, that's that's a big I don't factor. F- feel like the Patriots are better now than they were last year. I think they're only getting worse right now. And and when you factor in that this draft being one of the graded out, at least for now, as one of the worst drafts, mm-hmm. that doesn't make me optimistic in the Patriots no, heading into the next it, season. Yeah, it hasn't been the best offseason for the Patriots. So we'll see. Maybe maybe Odell knows something that we don't, and <laughs> they're actually trading for Debo. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that that could be the only thing that could save them at this point. Um, in terms of the Steelers, I, I feel a lot better. I don't know that I'm like, oh, this is an amazing draft for Pittsburgh. Part of it is just that I'm not I'm not 100% sold on Kenny Pickett. In terms of Kenny Pickett being the quarterback, I've bought into that idea. Uh, like you said, a lot of those defensive players, I'm going to be keeping an eye on them in addition to guys like Malik Willis, Matt Corral, Desmond Ritter, uh, because those are guys the Steelers could have taken in that spot. They had... When it came down to it, their biggest need was wide receiver in terms of needing guys who can contribute in 2022 after losing Juju Smith-Schuster, James Washington, and Raymond McLeod in free agency. They got two of them. George Pickens at 52. He's someone with first-round pedigree. Fell, fell to the second, partially off the field issues, partially he tore his ACL in March 2021, didn't really play a ton last year. But he's someone who I think has tremendous upside, and he's going to bring a tenacity that that Steelers receiving room really needs. Uh, he's someone who is. We talked about Cole Strange to Logan Mankins. He's starting to get some Heinz Ward comparisons as another tough receiver out of Georgia. Which way too early to say that, and also way too early to start saying he's a combination of Heinz Ward and a guy like AJ Green or someone else of that big size. But definitely optimistic about that one. Steelers have a great track record drafting wide receivers, so. Um, really happy with that. And then Calvin Austin, fourth round. Steelers need a slot guy, and he's someone who looks like he can be very elusive, kind of stretched the field, does a lot of good things. And then De- Marvin Leal in the third round, uh, defensive end out of Texas a and Defensive line is kind of a long-term need. Cam Hayward, Svon Tuitt, Tyson Alualu, Chris Wormley. If all four of those guys are healthy, like that's your defensive line rotation. They brought back a couple other guys. There's some other pieces there, but... Leal is someone who kind of represents a long-term project that could uh, potentially work out big time. Uh, so definitely excited about those three picks. Didn't have a fifth-round pick. Ended up taking Connor Hayward in the sixth round. Fourth pair of brothers on the Steelers, joining the Edmonds brothers, the Watt brothers, and the Davis brothers. So, uh, I mean, yeah, this is exciting. I wanted the Steelers to get him. I don't know if he was a sixth-round pick. He's a fullback slash tight end slash special teamer. So... We'll see. I'm glad that he's in Pittsburgh, but it, it, it seemed like that was where he was going to end up no matter what. So Yeah, their draft was, was fine. Like, nothing mm-hmm. amazing. Oh, well, they got a quarterback. That's 
most of they got two quarterbacks. They got another backup. Yeah, I know. They got uh, Chris Alotacon, quarterback out of South Dakota State, with their last pick in the seventh round. Which hey, maybe of... it'll be a RG3 Kirk Cousins thing. <laughs> I don't want it to be that, but I like the idea of him being like a maybe like some special weapon they can use and also someone who can maybe mimic Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, just mobile quarterbacks. I, I don't know if that's really the thought process there, but oh, so he's like so he's like one of those running could, yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely was, part of me was like, is he going to convert to wide receiver? Why'd they take another quarterback here? But uh, we'll, we'll see how they use him. But it, it seems like at the very least, he could be a third string scout team type quarterback. Uh, we'll see if he pans out. Hey, at least they took their backup quarterback in the seventh round instead of the fourth <laughs> round. A fourth well, you round. could say they took two backup quarterbacks because I think that Trubisky is going to be the week one starter. But obviously, Pickett is seen as way more than a backup quarterback, whereas Zappi is seen as a career backup. So. Fourth round. Yeah, I know. That was a surprising pick, but we'll see. He threw 62 touchdown passes last year. He broke all Joe Burrow's records. Yeah, and like what? (laughs) Western Kentucky. What, a much much lower level school? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's okay. (laughs) The most inflated stats I've ever seen. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, not everyone throws 60 touchdown passes that goes to that school, but I get it. There's a, yeah, I don't know. I I think it was a a solid draft. I don't think that anyone's giving them an A+. uh, But Yeah, they're not getting an A or F, just... Yeah, solid, nice B plus, B, B or we'll C, see. like whatever, like yeah. I, I think it's above a C. I think most people like Kenny Pickett to there, but I think that's also because they're like they could not go with Mitch Trubisky. I think that's kind of the the narrative that a lot of the experts have. Uh, so let's wrap up with biggest winners and losers. So let's kind of start off with the teams. So for me, the three big winners, I think, feel like I've talked about them. The the Ravens, the Eagles, and the Jets. We talked about the three first-round picks of the Jets. They also got Brees Hall early in the second. You could say they got the top cornerback, top wide receiver, number three pass rusher, and the number one running back all so you went in the first 36 picks. So you went with Ravens, Jets, and Eagles, you said? Yeah, which I know you're high on the Eagles. You yeah, so Eagles was my if, – if I could only pick one winner, I would pick the Eagles at one. Jets were up there. Ravens were up there. I guess the one thing about the Ravens is that they <laughs> traded Marquise Brown. So at wide, wide receiver, receiver they're not is, looking yes. great outside of Rashad uh, Bateman. That is but Mark, definitely a They hold. have Mark Andrews. He's one of the best Titans in the league. And, and they have Lamar Jackson. Like they, they can beat you on the ground. Yeah. You know, they'll, they'll figure it out. And it, getting David Ajabo in the second yeah, round, that, that and he's probably not going to play this year, that, but he was, he was like a top 15 projected pick exactly. before he got hurt. They couldn't get Jordan Davis, like we mentioned earlier, but they were able to get Javo, who was supposed to be a projected top 15 pick. Uh-huh. But he ended up tearing, tearing his Achilles in his combine. And so. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, or pro day or whatever it is. And so he ended up falling in the second round and they ended up getting him. And so. Yep. And then Travis Jones in the third round is a good consolation prize to not getting Jordan Davis in the first. So Ravens killed the draft. Unfortunate. But. Yeah, so a couple more teams to mention for winners. So, yeah, well, I guess Eagles, Nicobe Dean is. A yeah, big and that's another thing about Eagles draft round. as well is that not just Jordan Davis and get, trading for AJ Brown, but also getting Nicobe Dean. Yeah, and there were medical concerns, but he shouldn't be a third round pick. And so, getting him for the Eagles was a steal. And then, and they also got center Cam Jerkins, uh, who's. Yep. What I don't know if you saw a video of uh, Travis Kelsey's brother Jason Kelsey. He was actually uh, like on TV, like in an interview, while the pick was being made, and the interviewer was like, "Oh, they took a center," <laughs> and and then Jason Kelsey, you think it would be an awkward moment they took a center, but Jason Kelsey's like, "No, like I actually love this pick, and 
he kind of recommended the Philadelphia Eagles to actually pick him, which is actually kind of cool. That well, there were there were thoughts that Kelsey was going to retire. Yeah, I think this so, is the last year, so, so like, like they, they wanted game. a replacement in place, and I'm sure that he he's like, yeah, this he is gave the guy high that recommendations to pick him specifically. Uh-huh. So I thought that was kind of cool, and so I thought it was a slam dunk uh, for the Eagles for the first first uh, four moves of their draft, and so. Uh, after them, I, I really like what Kansas City did in their draft, or specifically earlier part of their draft. I thought their biggest needs, you think about it with Kansas City, even though they're one of the best teams in the league, they actually mm-hmm. are a team that would, needed more than you'd think. And uh, I thought their biggest needs were corner, receiver, and edge, and they did that with their first three picks where they got McDuffie, and then they got Karloftis, who dropped in the late first round. He was projected mid-first rounder. And then they got Sky Moore in the second round. Uh, Sky is the limit, I'd imagine, for his uh, <laughs> for his career. I, I that think name. that's a really good pick for them. <laughs> yep. But yeah, I think I think they I think they did a solid job in their draft. And one, let's see, we already did the Jets. I guess the I liked what the Lions did in the earlier part of draft. Obviously, getting Hutchinson at two, which I think was great for them that they got him at two, and when he was probably supposed to be the number one pick and hometown guy. Uh, in Michigan, and then they got they trade up for Jamison Williams, arguably the best receiver in the draft, if it weren't for his ACL injury in the national championship game. And did you see the picture of Jamison Williams <laughs> with no. his, with his jersey? Oh, I'm gonna text you it right now. It's so good. Okay, <laughs> hold on. <laughs> it looks like a kid who wanted an Xbox for Christmas or a, or a PlayStation, but instead he gets yeah. like a. He gets this ugly sweater his mom bought, and she tells him to take a picture with it, and he holds it up, and he's pissed. Here, I just te- I just texted you a picture of it. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> he looks so mad holding that jersey. Yeah. <laughs> huh. I mean, it's. I thought he was really excited coming out on the draft. He stage. might be. It just. It's just a bad yeah. picture. But... It's a, yeah. That, that's what I'll choose to believe with that one. Yeah. But no, I think it. I think. I think the Lions did a good job in that first round uh, getting mm-hmm. these guys. I think the Lions could be sneaky, not like a playoff team, but I think they could potentially be a not last place team with uh, who they have uh, on their team, especially picking up Hutchinson for their D-line, but also offensively with how good Amon Ra was and now adding Jamison Williams, and they got Chark and DeAndre Swiss, a pretty good tight uh, running back, and then TJ Hawkinson, good tight end. Definitely some good weapons. So, yeah, yep. they got some good weapons on their team, and – I can see the Lions winning more than a few games next year. They were competitive last year. They yeah. should have won com- more than yeah, three games. Yeah, they were compe- they were close in some of these a lot they were they lost a lot of games, uh-huh. but a lot of their losses came down to the very end. So Yep. So I guess in terms of teams that uh, your your biggest losers. Oh, okay. So Patriots are easily won <laughs> for me. But your words there's definitely bias uh with that <laughs> pick though. So for other couple losers I had on my list, uh so Patriots are one. Number two, I had the Seahawks. You know, so yeah. they got they got in the first round and the third round, they were able to pick up a couple offensive tackles to protect Russell. Oh, oh, oh that's right. Russell Wilson's <laughs> in Denver now. So, you know, that could have been uh, great when Russell Wilson was there. But no, they take the tackles after he's gone. And now, uh, yeah, I, it just. Timely picks, <laughs> picking those guys with Russell Wilson gone. So I think they had a good draft, excluding the whole Russell but Wilson I, factor I, I and not having a quarterback. I factor uh-huh. in the Russell Wilson. No, and that's fair. Yes, I totally get Especially it. Especially yes. when you look at their second round, where they had 40th and 41st overall picks, 
mm-hmm. back to back, and you're thinking, okay, Malik Willis, he might go. They got to go quarterback, right? And so they pick a lineman. And whatever. But then at 41, they take Kenneth Walker. He's a good running back at Michigan State, but they take a running back when they already have Rashad Penny, a running back they took in the first round, and Chris Carson, mm-hmm. while they have Geno Smith and Drew Locke as their quarterbacks. I think quarterback is a much bigger need for their team than running back. Especially I agree that really with that aspect, happen. yes. Other than the quarterback situation, I think the Seahawks put themselves in good position, but at the same time, they have a seven-year-old head coach. So it's a, there's a lot of question around their roster. I'm probably factoring right too much of what happened prior to the draft, but I can't. Well, no, no. I mean, that's a fair way to look at it, whereas, like, the Seahawks are have a solid team, solid future in place. They just have no hope at quarterback right now. Right. So. And so the third loser, uh, last loser on my list in terms of teams, is uh, the Chicago Bears. Uh, they yeah. took – they didn't have a first-round pick because they traded up for fields. That's okay. Whatever. Their second pick, second round pick, first pick of their draft, they take Kyler Gordon, a corner, who apparently is into dancing. <laughs> he wants to be a dancer more than a football player. There were talks about that. Oh, really? Yeah, he he wants <laughs> that. He's I he doesn't love that. football apparently. Yeah. And so, and then for their second pick, they took Jaquan Brisker, who was the part of the Khalil Mack trade. I'm uh-huh. not gonna pretend if he's good, but he better be good, or else that Khalil Mack trade is gonna look horrible. It really looks pretty bad, but. It would look really bad if he ends up not being great. And I was very high on Brisker coming into the draft. Okay. So their third round pick, they end up taking a 25-year-old receiver named Vellis Jones. And apparently from sharp people I follow, apparently he projects more as a special teamer than an actual receiver. Yeah, that, that's what I've heard. Another I think, return guy. I think Justin Fields is screwed. Even if, no matter <laughs> if you think he's good or if he sucks, I think he's screwed there because he doesn't have the weapons around him and – doesn't really have the old line as well, and now the Bears they did take some old linemen later in the draft, but like in the what sixth and seventh round, like how good are mm-hmm. they supposed to be really? And and they and they didn't, yeah they didn't find a replacement for Allen Robinson. Now I know Allen Robinson sucked last year, but he was their clear number one option, uh, or maybe Darnell Mooney is, but that's not enough to help your franchise quarterback. And 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 then I I, I I'm not high on the Bears at all, and I don't think they did well whatsoever in this draft and yeah okay so i guess in terms of just like teams to throw out i don't love the saints trading up twice for chris Olave. you know i think he's a solid wide receiver but it felt like that's a lot and it seemed like they put themselves in a position to get a quarterback and they continually continuously struck out on guys passed on guys i don't really know what they're doing just really believe in Jameis winston and Taysom hill apparently uh, and then the Cardinals giving up a first round pick for Hollywood Brown. That, like, I get you want to appease Kyler Murray by getting him his uh, former college teammate, but is that worth a first round pick? I don't think so. I think he's, Brown he's has been good, very but inconsistent. He has his inconsistencies. Yes, he has moments. And so, so I guess I don't know. Yeah. I mean, well, now DeAndre Hopkins, now that Hopkins is suspended. Is suspended so so now it makes a, a lot great, more maybe sense. They, maybe yeah. they knew that in their back. Oh, we gotta get a receiver. They knew he was gonna be suspended, so it made sense. That they they knew they needed to address wide receiver, but it feels like a lot for Brown. That's that's all I'm saying. Um, I don't mind it as much as you, but I get it. In terms of just like more individuals, so winners and losers from like the quarterback perspective, I think one winner kind of hit on this with you saying the Lions the Lions future quarterback obviously Jared Goff's not the guy but I think that they're setting up whoever the next guy is to be in a good spot Penny Sewell last year Jamison Williams this year team up with Amon Ross St. Brown 
TJ Chark just signed a one-year deal, but TJ Hawkinson, their tight end, he's one of the best or better tight ends in the league, at least younger guys. Uh, They also have a a really solid center in Frank Ragnow locked up, signed Halapalu. Let me get this right. They signed Hala... Hala Pulavati Vatai, a free agent from the Eagles. He's someone who I, th- I think he came in as a tackle. He can play all over the line. So I-, I think they're setting their next guy out to be in good shape. Another thing to mention about the Lions draft, I, I mentioned him a little bit earlier with mm-hmm. with winners, is that after Hutchinson and Williams, they basically focused on defense for the rest of the draft. And so defensively, they could be good. And they get Jeff Okuda back from injury. Yeah, we'll see if he can finally figure it out after a rough go of it the first two seasons. So I think the Lions, but, I'm not going to say that they're going to be amazing or anything, but I think they're uh-huh. they're setting themselves up to be in a good position in the future. Absolutely, which is why I think that whoever they end up getting, I, I still think it's going to be like a top five pick when it comes down to it. We'll see. But I, I think that quarterback next year, presumably, is going to be in a really good spot. Uh, in terms of biggest losers, I just put Justin Fields down for all the reasons <laughs> yeah. you mentioned. Yeah, he's Bears screwed. didn't do a whole lot to help him out. You know, I, I don't hate them addressing the defense. They're just not doing a lot for Fields, and no. he's he's probably in no better situation than he was last year. He, it's it's arguably worse, which is saying a lot. Yeah, I know. We with hate, losing Allen Robinson, the Bears so. for so long. They also, I know, they also lost James Daniels in free agency to the Steelers. So and he was like their best offensive lineman. So yeah, yeah, he's in a tough spot, and then. Baker Mayfield has to be a huge loser of the weekend. Oh, Still man. in Cleveland. I don't know when he's getting out. Deshaun it feels Watson like Seattle makes sense. Uh, he might. I know, but like, is that like, is that really what they're banking on? Like four to plus games? I don't know. I don't know maybe, how. Lo- I don't know how long. I, I hate to cross sports and maybe the NFL pulls But Trevor, Trevor Bauer, Bauer got suspended yeah. two years. And then uh, I'd imagine Deshaun Watson looked at him like, uh. Yeah, what are they going to do to me, right? <laughs> I know uh, it's not the same exact situation, but... But still, is that the situation you want with Baker Mayfield right now? Like, from his perspective, I don't know. It seems like he wants out of Cleveland. He's wanted out of Cleveland for a while. No, he should, he should want out. If, if, uh-huh. But if Watson gets suspended, that'd be so awkward. That like, hey, Baker, can you play six games yeah, for right? us? And then, and then is... we'll trade you, like... No, uh, like I want, I want out now. <laughs> yes, so he is to me. He is a, a big loser until he's traded, which I don't know how it's going to resolve. Seattle kind of makes sense, but there's a uh, yeah. To me, he has to be for now looked at as someone who is not in a good situation. Uh, especially this seemed like a, a perfect time for him to finally get traded. Uh, and then last two pairing, I have biggest winner, University of Georgia broke the record for most picks in the first round on defense. Yes. As well as overall, they passed LSU 2020 and biggest loser university of Texas, 262 players taken zero longhorns. I saw that Texas not back confirmed. (laughs) So yeah, Uh, which is just crazy to think about for that school. I have one loser to mention and it's not a person or team. It's the NFL draft production in general. I feel mm-hmm. like I don't know. I I I I feel like it was a clown show, <laughs> kind of. Where from yeah. the start, where Roger Goodell, he's like, "Yo, is is that Ice Cube in the stands? Come on up, baby!" <laughs> and like, he's such a dork. Yeah, oh, it, Goodell is very much a dork. Like yeah, he, him he, he, he's, coming he, out being like boomy, like, "Come on, you can do better than he's that." Like, like dapping it with the players and the bro yeah. hugs. It's like, yeah, he's, he's that, so, that's that's just Roger Goodell. Yeah, and so I I actually. 
So I obviously I watched the first round, but I also watched parts of the later uh, rounds. And uh-huh. it wouldn't be Roger Goodell, of course, announcing the picks. It'd be like all these all these people that I've never heard of or seen, and it's and it, I felt like it was such a clown show with these people. So like, I, you did make me realize I skipped Ed Marinero as the biggest loser. Yeah, that's who I was going to mention. That's who I was just about to get to. Yeah, freaking, Coach Marty Daniels, freaking uh, Ed Marinero. Announced like the 10 pick. Minutes announcing the fight. It took him three minutes to announce it. I was actually watching when this happened. Yeah. I wasn't. Oh, I was the, too. I was. I first of all, I didn't know that he was a former football player, so I thought that was kind of cool. And then after Wikipediaing his life story, he just goes to tell me his life story and keeps he going. He's giving and his going life story on and on and on. It took yeah. a lady with a headset and a clipboard, yeah, like, to hey, come out, be like, come on, get read off the, the stage. pick, read the uh, pick. <laughs> <laughs> that was yeah. so ridiculous. And then there were other ones too, like Kyle Brandt from uh, Good Morning Football. Or he I thought like that was Buffalo fun. wing through the airport, uh-huh. and he's like eating it on the stage. It's like, like, dude, like this bit is not is is not that great. And then you, know, the you wing... just don't like the Bills, so I think that no, don't I don't like... mind the I've, of the AFC East teams. I don't mind the Bills. I know they're great, but like. I don't mind them. I hate the Jets, and I don't, and I don't like the Dolphins. But I don't mind the Bills. I just, I thought that was just ridiculous. Like, it doesn't matter what team he's a fan of. The, the just bring the w- chicken wing or whatever through the airport, and then eating it on stage. <laughs> it's gross, gross yeah. dude. So then, I think, I think there's two different schools of thoughts. There's a, as a fan perspective, it's fun to see something exciting like make the draft more than just reading off players names but then there's also you're taken away from the players who's drafted their moment and making it about yourself so i get i get that side of it i thought it was i get it but i, I it's too ridiculous i wish it'd just be roger goodell that that lady who was announcing all those picks and then you know, the, like that make a wish kid uh who announced the pick at five with thibodeau and he's and he he that was genuine the his yeah, there were, oh there were a few the patriots had one yeah i, I like um, those but uh-huh. all these like random celebrities like yeah like wayne newton and his you know 17 <laughs> facelifts like how many plastic <laughs> surgeries does that dude need i didn't know wayne newton was still alive <laughs> he's younger than i thought he was and then, and then there was that uh dr disrespect <laughs> like video 49ers guy who the hell yeah. is that guy uh, announcing the pick and then and then yeah ed, ed marinara was definitely by far the worst one yeah. It's like no one cares about your life story. Just say the pick. So <laughs> I had to get that off my chest because I, I think it's ridiculous what's gone to with the NFL draft. Part of me, it's kind of cool that they go to all these places, but part of me also wishes that it was just at, what's it called again? Radio City uh, Hall? Radio City Music Hall in Radio New York. C- Radio City Music, yeah. Music Hall. Yeah, Hall. And Focus on Jets fans just Yeah, just Jets fans just being pissed every year. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Tradition. Uh, Traditional like yeah. any, unlike any other. <laughs> I can confidently say that no matter where the draft is i have no interest in going yeah i remember i remember i thought i'd be like oh this would be kind of cool to go to the draft in vegas but like no i'd rather just do other things in vegas yeah right draft and just i don't want to spend seven hours just spend seven hours to just find out my team took another freaking guard (laughs) (laughs) yeah right (laughs) now there's there's so many better ways to spend a weekend in vegas yeah so but all right that's it for the draft coverage we'll probably be taking somewhat of a break on football i'm sure there'll be signings and trades and stuff so we're talking about but we won't be focusing a ton on the sport again until august you know when we, we start getting ready for the season i guess the schedule release is coming out soon so oh yeah maybe we'll Nine maybe we'll days. have some reactions to that yeah uh but for now let's talk about the stanley cup playoffs another big event that's going on underway 
Bruins played Monday night. They lost to the Hurricanes 5-1. to Penguins playing right now. They're currently down one nothing to the Rangers at the end of the first. Um, but I guess before we get into like predictions and stuff, the NHL has expanded to 32 teams past couple of years, adding the Vegas Golden Knights. This year, the Seattle Kraken. And yet the playoff field remains at 16. All the other leagues are expanding. The NFL added an extra wild card in both conferences in 2020. Uh, Major League Baseball just added another wild card. NBA is doing a play-in tournament for the final two spots. So I guess what are your thoughts on, do you think the NHL should continue this format or should they consider expanding the field like those other leagues have done? So if they expand it, it would have to be something like the NBA where it's like the one play-in game. But anything like that, other than that, I don't really want them to expand it. My biggest grief with the NHL playoff format is I'll admit, I wish. So you know how in the NBA, it's once the playoff field is set, it's the one seed plays the eight seed, two plays the seven, mm-hmm. and so on. I wish it were like that in, in Western Conference. Instead of the division set up. Setup. Instead of yeah. like these divisions and the first wild card team plays the uh, this team and the second wild card team plays that. It's just a little. Even though I understand it, it's still kind of confusing, and I just I wish it would just be simple, more structured. Just one plays one seed plays eight seed. Two plays the seven seed and so on. That's my so, biggest grief with the. Yeah, I guess the, the appeal was that you'd have more rivalries, more teams facing each other year after year, which like I, I get it from that perspective. Um, you know, the Penguins play the Capitals yeah, three play, years in they, a row. The Penguins so. and Capitals play each other like six, seven times. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, they, they, all the time. You you have the same kind of matchups, which there's there's pros and cons to that, but. I agree with what you said there, because when I when I first like thought about the idea of NHL playoff expansion, my mind immediately goes to the COVID bubble when you had twelve teams per conference make it, and I was which it made sense in that format. You stop the regular season short. I get why they would have that, but twenty four out of thirty two every year seems ridiculous, especially with bye weeks. But especially when the Arizona Coyotes are in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, which I mean, there are definitely some teams, team but at the same time, the, the Blackhawks and the Canadians were twelve seeds, and they they both won in the first round that year. So, uh, but I think the play in tournament would be great for the NHL, and I think that would also be a way to get it to that one versus eight, you know, two seven, three six, four five that we've we used to have in the Stanley Cup playoffs. I I also feel the same way. Uh, you know, I like the idea of the best team playing the worst team, but. The NBA playoff, like the the, the playing tournament there, it's hard to argue that it's not a success. It's a ton so, of fun. I was just about that's where I was just about to go with is that in the NBA, okay, so you have the seven and eight seed playing each other in the nine and ten, and then you have another mm-hmm. game uh, deciding who's gonna be that last team. It's not that great in the NBA because the whoever the eight seed is, or even seven seed, like they don't very, very likely don't have a shot of winning or advancing. But in hockey you can't. You absolutely have. I. I honestly believe that. Or maybe not every single team in the playoffs, but almost all of them every year have some sort of shot to win the Stanley Cup. Look at the the 2012 LA Kings. They made the playoffs on the very last day of the regular season. Yeah, eight seed. And they won the Stanley Cup as an eight seed. And so, I feel like in hockey it could be a bigger success because of the fact that any of these teams have whether if it's a a big shot or a very minuscule chance of winning. I, I mm-hmm. believe that almost all, if not all, the teams have a shot of winning. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think 
so from the NBA side of things this year, I, I guess I look at a team like the New Orleans Pelicans. They started 1-12. They started to turn things around, but had only eight teams been eligible for the playoffs, it would have just been too little too late. Their season's over because all they have to do is get to the 10th spot. They find themselves in striking distance at the trade deadline. They go out and get CJ McCollum. All of a sudden, they're a brand new team down the stretch, end up as a nine seed, beat the Clippers after beating the Spurs in the 9-10 game. Now they're in the playoffs, and they go hard-fought six-game series with the Suns. So I get it. Do they have a real great chance? Probably not. Uh, needed a lot of things to go their way to even win those two games. But yes, from the NHL perspective, there's even more of a reason to believe that some of these teams that get hot can continue to stay hot. And I just look at the Eastern Conference this year. We knew who the eight playoff teams would be by Christmas, oh, if not true. earlier. Yeah, I, I forgot so, about that, how yeah, those so like same teams, eight teams are still the eight teams, and it wasn't really that close. No, it wasn't. I mean, things. the only reason why I got somewhat close down the stretch was because teams, they didn't care about seeding. They just wanted to stay healthy. They didn't have to win every single game. And... It would have totally changed if a team like the Islanders or the Blue Jackets or the Sabres even had a shot to steal a, you know, a playoff spot from the play-in tournament. So I think that that would be a perfect reason to have it. At the same time, you look at the West and say, well, the Golden Knights missing out. Uh, you know, As much as I, I like the Golden Knights, I say to them, my Western Conference team, I appreciate... I like, I like the Golden Knights too. I get the yeah. humor in them missing the playoffs yeah. after how much success they've been gifted to start their you know, four, five-year franchise and uh, for, to see them miss the playoffs entirely, which in a play-in tournament format, they would have had a chance to get in anyway. So I get it from that side where the West may be not as appealing to have a play-in tournament there, but you could also argue made more sense when these teams are missing out by just a couple of points to, you know, have a shot to get one of those last playoff bids anyway. I think for the so. Eastern Conference... That's typically not how it's going to go. It was no, so, it's it was not. So it is a unique year. They were clear, uh, a clear, there was a clear top eight uh, for yes. a while. That typically would not happen. No, and a lot had to go into that. I mean, the Islanders had to start, what, 15 road games or something ridiculous while their stadium was still under construction. So uh, that certainly set them back. And I think that the East just also has some really bad teams in it, like Buffalo, New Jersey. Yeah, it's definitely top Ottawa. and bottom heavy. <laughs> for uh, sure. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I, I think that the NHL should consider it. Whether they do, I don't know. Sounds like Gary Bettman won't even entertain the idea, but they're going to make a lot of money off a couple extra playoff games. And had they done the one through eight format, the seven and eight teams this year would have been the Penguins and the Capitals. You have a, a winner take all kind of game between Sidney Crosby and Alex Ovechkin, and the NHL would turn that down. No chance. They would absolutely love that kind of thing to happen. So, uh, I think it's something that they should definitely consider. I don't know how realistic it is. I don't know how soon it yeah, will happen. But all these other leagues, they're like, let's get more money with more playoff teams and more playoff games. So Yeah, I'm not saying we'll they see. should do it, but definitely definitely should. From that perspective, it. yes, it, absolutely. Yeah. Just another way to grow the sport. It just makes it more popular. More teams have a shot. That, that, to me, that's not a bad thing. When more teams have a chance where more fans can be engaged and excited for longer. Yeah, and I, I wish... I wish hockey was a little bit more popular. I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm definitely a it's, big fan of this. Yeah, sport. I mean, I think that hockey is a sport where if anyone gives it a chance, I don't know how they can't love it. I, I think, know plenty I think of people who weren't of, hockey fans I, when they this, moved to Raleigh, and now they love the Hurricanes. So I, I've said this before. It, it's that or college basketball that has the biggest jump from the regular season to the postseason oh, in yeah, terms of entertainment it is. value. Uh-huh. 
I love the Stanley Cup playoffs. Yeah. I'm I'm very excited they're happening right now. So underway. Bruins, not a great start against the <laughs> <No>. Hurricanes. <laughs> I guess coming into the series, what were your expectations for Boston? So I made a bracket, and I'm not yeah. going to change anything from my bracket. Or I'm gonna I'm I'm someone that's going to pick it and I'm going to stick it, and I'm someone that does not care if I get my predictions wrong. And so I will fully admit that I had the Bruins and still do winning this series, and it's and. I'll admit it's not more of a pro Bruins thing. It's more of an anti Carolina thing. Uh, okay. Just over the years, where I've just not have, have not taken them seriously, and I know I should now, but I'll admit I still think it's more of a coin toss of a series. Just uh, factoring in that I think the Bruins, their forward, they have plenty of forward depth, but their defensive core outside of Lindholm and McAvoy, it's definitely a huge drop off after those two guys, and then Carolina. I think so. Carolina has always been a fast team, but one thing that I realized yesterday is that they're a team that can handle the physicality. They actually outhit the Bruins yesterday, and they're one of the top faceoff teams in the league. Bergeron had a lot of tough time in the faceoff circle yesterday. One thing it's not I thought, something I would have expected. Yeah, and one I would thing think those I thought, would be areas the Bruins have an advantage. Right. They're, well, the Bruins are also in that top. Uh, they're Boston and Carolina. They're two of the top five teams in. Face-off. It's just that yesterday, mm-hmm. Bergeron, for his standards, had a tough time. But yesterday, what I thought would be a big advantage for Boston was that the Carolinas starting a backup goaltender in Ronta and not Freddie Anderson. Now, I, fr- I know Freddie Anderson has sucked versus Boston, but he's their starter, starting goaltender, and going to a backup to start the playoff game. Is he injured? or was Yeah, he's it... injured. Freddie Anderson okay. got hurt. Uh, uh. Like about a week or two ago, and so he's gotcha. not healthy right now, not playing. And so, I thought that would help the Bruins yesterday. And and you know what? It's the Carolina. They won five to one, so it looks like they Carolina blew them out. But for half of that game, it was nothing, nothing. The Bruins were, you know, had they had plenty of offensive chances, and they just couldn't capitalize. And Carolina finally got some good bounces to go their way. And then, and then Taylor Hall, he had a goal in the third period that put him back on back on track to make a comeback but then Bruins defense imploded uh in the last couple goals and Allmark uh, he's fine the goaltender for the Bruins he's fine but I'll admit I'm not a huge fan and he, he did he did well in the first period in the half of the second but he, he didn't do that great three but goals in the I third. believe more of the Bruins defense I've said this since dating back to last year that their decor after the their elite guys is just a fatal flaw in their team. But I thought, but I, I, I'll admit, I'm not the biggest Carolina f- fan in terms of their, how high I am on them. But I think after one game, they're definitely showing that they should be looked out for. Especially when you look at the goal differential between the two during the regular season. Carolina <laughs> outscored them 16 to 1. I think, it, yeah, 16 to 1 in the yeah. regular season. And, now it's now twenty-one to two <laughs> with this game. Yeah, that's 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 a tough. They have plenty of speed. One, so. They've always had plenty of speed, but they actually are more physical than I realized, and they're better defense as well uh, from the, from past years. Yeah, the the Hurricanes are a team that they always find a way to win in the first round, but the they they can't win a second series after that. So um, having that that home ice against the Bruins, like it, it feels like. 
there should be enough reasons to point toward Carolina, but this is a series that I absolutely could see going either way. And I, I think if the Bruins win, then they have an opportunity to go on a, a bit of a run here. Yeah, I'm not going to um, overreact after one game. There were some bad things about game one, though. Their power, the yeah. Bruins power play <laughs> sucks. They've, they're, they're like oh for like their last 40. Their power play, that's a big concern I have right now. Uh, but mm-hmm. at the same time, they have guys like Pasternak and Bergeron and Taylor Hall. Like They have legit forwards that should capitalize on power plays. And so it's mind-boggling that they have just basically disappeared on the power play for as long as uh, dating back to whenever, whatever, like the last forty power plays started from. What is their like last forty? Look oh, like? I, it's I, it's like oh for their last forty something like that. I don't Wait, know. really? Yeah, they haven't it, scored a power. It's what? something. It's something like that. I don't. That's insane. Last time I checked, it was yeah. It was like oh for. It was it was something absurd like oh for forty. Huh. I, I'm not even joking yeah. either. Yeah. No, that's not good. Hey, look, no. they're, the the. <laughs> The Cup team that won in 2011, <laughs> their power play was awful that year to the point where I didn't even want them on the power play at times. And uh, so maybe that's the key to success, not doing well on the power play. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just joking. But uh, yeah, I, that's definitely a concern I have with the Bruins. But if they can turn that around, uh, I, I still think the Bruins, I think it's a toss up. I really do. Uh, maybe Carolina deserves to be favored, but I, I think it's closer to a coin flip, uh, in my opinion. Yeah, and that's fair. I think that that's kind of how I'd look at it, where I think going in, I was like, I think Carolina would win, but I, I don't think that it's uh, lopsided by any means. I, I do expect this it's to not be a like, six or seven game series. It's not like three years ago where I was like, all right, they're going to sweep this team, no doubt about it, and that's what uh, they did. And then in the bubble when they faced each other in the first round, the Bruins won in five. And yeah. I take them more seriously than I did then, but I also still think this can be a series. Yeah. No, I I think that's a totally fair way to look at it. Uh, so you mentioned the Hurricanes starting out with a backup goalie. The Penguins are also starting out with a backup goalie. Uh, Tristan Jari got hurt a couple weeks left in the regular season, so they're going with career backup Casey to Smith. And if I look at the Penguins-Rangers series and the most lopsided thing between these two teams, it has to be the goalie play, whereas the Rangers have not just a guy who's almost a lock to win the Vezina and Igor Sheshikin, but he could also legitimately win league MVP this year. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm really high on the Rangers. Uh, in yeah, season. I mean, that's... They, I like wasn't sure about their trade deadline. They made a lot of. It seemed like they went quantity over like a big splash move, but they've been so good down the stretch, and this, this does not feel like a good matchup for the Penguins. Uh, goaltending is a big part of it, and I think it's uh, Penguins aging core versus the Rangers young team. We'll see if Stanley Cup experience plays a role. Uh, Pittsburgh can eat. They can absolutely win the series. They have, they still have plenty of talent, but like you said, it is an aging core. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's a little could be the concerning. could be their last the, chance. The Rangers are a team that has a core that's in their prime, basically, or maybe not even entering. If their that, prime. they're not even there yet. Yeah, yeah some of their guys well, aren't even in their prime yet. Uh, uh-huh. Lafreniere, like Alexis he hasn't had Lafreniere, a good year, but uh-huh. he's he's young, and they also have another guy that they drafted second overall on that same line that is also really young. And but their core guys like Panarin. And Zabenejad and Chris Kreider, he has, he's had a 50 goal season. He's been awesome this year, and they have the defenseman to win the cup as well with Adam Fox, who who was defensive uh, player of the year uh, last year, and and then also 
They have Jacob Truba, who's also a great two-way defenseman. And then Shesterkin, who's going to win the Vesna and maybe even be in the... I don't think he's going to win MVP. I think he'll be Austin I don't think he Matthews. will win, but yeah, the Austin fact Matthews, that he's in I the... Think will win, but, yeah, 60 but, goals. Uh-huh. But he's been great this year. And I think that's kind of what it takes to win the Stanley Cup is great goaltending and uh, having great two-way defensemen, but also having... Uh, the forwards that they do. I think, yeah, I think the Rangers have a legit shot of winning it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so definitely a tough series of the Penguins, and their top guys need to step up. So the last 14 playoff games, the Penguins are 3-11. and That's four against the Islanders in 2019. Right, Five, they got Four swept, against right? the Canadians in the bubble. Yeah, they got swept. Really bad series. Lost to the 12 seed Canadians in the bubble. Three to one, and then last year losing in six to the Islanders, which that was tough. It was Tristan Jari. That was the reason why they lost. And he had an amazing season, all star caliber. I mean, he made the all star game. Islanders, and I was really excited. They were. I know they ended up going to the Eastern Conference Finals. Like I was really excited to see how Tristan Jari would perform in the postseason. Was last year just a a bad year? His first time out there, or right? Because he was an all star the year before, and last year he was was disaster. And now this year, he's been. He's been awesome, but he's hurt. So he's he. I don't know if he's going to come back at some point this series. But the 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 Penguins' top guys. So in those last fourteen games, Sidney Crosby three goals, three assists, minus six rating. Evgeny Malkin two goals, seven assists, minus six rating. Jay Kensel three goals, three assists, minus eight rating. Brian Russ three goals, three assists, minus nine rating. Chris Letang one goal, one assist, minus seven rating. So. Those are the Penguins' five best players. They all need to step up. Jay Kensel did score a goal. Oh, they actually just tied it 2-2. Two two. Jay nice. Kensel scored again, so there you go. He had 23 goals in his first 37 playoff games before those 14. The Crosby Celtics assisted on the first goal. To give you an update on All right, that. I did see was, they were up by uh, 25 at halftime, so that, that's awesome. Love to see that. Um, I don't understand so, it. <laughs> like, <after what laughs> I don't either. I know. Watching it on mute, just, yeah. So, anyway... Uh, those guys need to step up for the Penguins. We'll see. The goaltending is going to be a big factor. Defense. One thing that the Penguins have going for them is they're great on the penalty kill. Uh, power plays. You don't get a ton of those in the postseason, at least compared to the regular season, though. Uh, but the Rangers, they're a fast team. They're a young team. Coming into the series, my prediction was Rangers in six. And, you know, this game isn't over yet, but I have no reason to, to change that I have thought. Also, I also have Rangers in six. Yeah, and I, part of that is also just kind of respect for Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin and these guys thinking that they can put up a yeah, fight. Yeah, it's not, it's not going to be a, like a blowout like just because I like the Rangers. like The Penguins are still, even if they're aging, they're still a good core. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they've had questions in the playoffs the past past few years. Yeah, Latang and Malkin, both free agents. Brian Russ is as well. So it is disappointing because I think if Jari was healthy, I'd, I'd feel much better about their chances. And if he can, if they can survive and he comes back at some point, then, yeah, maybe th- this team can do something special one last time together. But um, I'm not as optimistic now as I was earlier in the year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess one last thing before we get into predictions. Colorado Avalanche, Stanley Cup or bust? Yeah. Question mark? Yeah. It, yes. It's At this point, they now. officially Especially are. Especially this year. Yeah. I, th- I think it's Stanley Cup or bust now. Because they did struggle down the stretch. They actually lost out on the President's Trophy, but they're the number one team in the West, and they don't have the Golden Knights this year who are neck and neck with them. It does feel like they're at the point where they just got to win it. They, it was, it was coming to that point, and I've, I believe this is the year where it is Stanley Cup or bust. 
Okay. Where past years, it's like, all right, you know what? Like you said, with Vegas. They're still young. Yeah, there are other teams, but yeah. And Tampa has been a juggernaut the past couple of years. But now they're uh-huh. now t- Tampa's still good, even though they got their ass kicked yesterday. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they're still pretty good, but they're not they're not as dominant as like they have been the past two years. So I think yeah. it's there for the taking for Colorado. All right. So I guess let's go to predictions. Let's just kind of jump ahead, conference finals. I have Colorado and Edmonton. And I know Edmonton lost yesterday, so I'm not yeah. feeling good about that. But Bad. I'm... Yeah, I mean, they're, <laughs> who's their goalie? Cam Smith, is that his name? Or uh, No. I think it was Mike Smith. Mike Smith, Mike Smith, yeah. Mike Smith, he he had somewhat of a Tristan Jari moment. Uh, oh, yeah, their goaltending is not good. <laughs> like, I'll admit that. Like, yeah. That's definitely a flaw for Edmonton. And I, I certainly don't have him in the Stanley Cup, of course. I have Colorado. Uh uh, and then what going, about in the east? In the east, yeah. I have the Rangers uh, over the Lightning. And I know the Lightning just got yeah. their ass kicked. I have a lot of teams I have uh-huh. advancing uh, in this round. <laughs> Lost yesterday, so yeah. but I'm I'm gonna I'm sticking with it. I'm we not recorded it a day too late for your predictions. Yeah, but again, <laughs> it's just one game. Doesn't mean a ton, right? Um, so I going into this, I was like, I think that this is finally year for Toronto. So. Uh, I have the Panthers who, okay, coming into this, I said Golden Knights over the Islanders. But I had the Panthers and the Avalanche as my conference finalists, and they finished as the top teams in their conference. So, got, so I'll, yeah. I'll take that as a minor win. Yeah, um, I should. You know. Definitely. <laughs> I, so now that the Panthers can avoid the Islanders and the Lightning, I have them in the Eastern Conference Finals against the Rangers as well. Um you know, it just I, I have them beating the Hurricanes, but yeah, I, I think the Rangers, if they can survive the Penguins, I, I think they're they're primed to go on a nice little run here. In the West, I've been back and forth on this, um, but hey, I'll show my I'm not gonna back away from what I initially thought because of one game. I got the Wild. Oh, okay. who lost All right. four nothing the Blues. <laughs> Mark Andre Fleury, he's the tipping point for me. I've got them upsetting the Avalanche. The Blues were the I only. Guess, the Blues were the only team yesterday that won that I haven't. That you actually picked. <laughs> the other yeah, three teams. I see. Have. I know it's it's such a crazy one. Um, but then I I have a different Alberta team. I have the Calgary Flames advancing uh, out of that side. So. Okay. And then what's your Stanley Cup Finals? Colorado uh, versus New York. With the Avalanche winning or the Rangers winning? Avalanche, Colorado beating the Rangers. All right. And I have, for the first time since 1993, Stanley Cup going back to Canada, the Flames over the Panthers. So I thought those were two, those two, Calgary and Florida were very popular picks to the point where I'm just, you know, I need something a little bit different in my bracket. And I decided yeah, to go, that's a fair I decided way to, to go it. first yeah. round ups, uh, exits for both of them. And I'm, wow. I'm, I'm okay. sure n- neither of them will happen, but I want, I'm someone that wants to take some chances in when it comes to brackets. Yeah, Obviously, I mean, if you want to win, you're going against the whole country, yeah. like you know, the whole continent, whoever. So I it gotta, makes sense. I to gotta do have that. some bold picks in my bracket. So yeah, especially if so I have Colorado the, winning the the top team. So uh-huh. yeah, I got yeah, I um I went through the ESPN predictions and. 30 out of 30 picked the Flames over the Stars. Oh, so yeah. it's like, oh, no, that doesn't sound good. <laughs> yeah, so the one guy going with Dallas. <laughs> yeah. No, I, uh, yeah, I, I'm Canada, they got to win eventually, right? Like, it's been <laughs> too long. 
And then the Panthers are just, I, I was high on them coming to the season. Right. They win the President's so, Trophy. I got to keep riding them. But right. yeah, so we'll see. Um, obviously, when it comes down to it, I'm rooting for the Penguins at that point. If they lose in the first round, like I expect them to, my shift is going to focus a lot more toward basketball, whether or not the Celtics survive. Uh, but I do love the Stanley Cup playoffs. I love playoff hockey. It's oh, fun. I, I love playoff hockey, for sure. So. Even if the Bruins are out, I still pay attention. Now, my interest level, I'll admit, it does depend on who's in the finals. Sometimes it's great. Sometimes mm-hmm. like, ah, I don't really care about these teams. But uh, my interest level, for the most part, is pretty high uh, in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Yeah. I think – I mean – I, I'm high enough to pay attention to what's going on, high enough to watch games, and you know I want to see the cup get handed out and everything. But uh, if it comes down to it, I'll typically go with basketball over hockey I, I think uh, when it's me, just it, from a neutral perspective. I think for me it's the opposite, but it definitely depends on the series, like who's in it. Like mm-hmm. Last year it was uh, freaking – we talked about this earlier, Tampa. Yeah, Montreal like, and we Tampa. Knew, yeah. Tampa was going to win. It's like <laughs> – I don't really uh-huh. care about this series that much. I mean, I guess I'll root against Montreal, but it's like they don't really have a chance. So no, I'm gonna I'm gonna focus on Suns, Clippers, and Bucks, Hawks instead. Yeah, even though those are not exactly uh, high market teams, it was still like, hey, this is different. We don't have to see LeBron yep. in uh, Golden State every year. Uh huh. So, all right, that's it for Stanley Cup playoffs talk right now. You know, I'm sure we'll still continue to talk about them at the same time as NBA playoffs moving forward. But let's get it wrapped this up with uh, a unique segment something you've never done before it's a draft and we thought nfl i guess you thought nfl drafts going on let's do a seven on seven fictional football player draft so i think it's a fun idea um i guess just kind of let's go over the ground rules so seven player roster i guess we're kind of assuming these guys are going to play both offense and defense they're yeah. going quarterback Three skill position players, you know, running back, wide receiver, tight end, any combination we want for our team, one offensive lineman, and then two defensive players. So um, in terms of who's eligible, it's it's fictional football players. So, you know, we're, we're restricting it to that. Can't take guys from, you know, 75 Notre Orr. Dame team. Can't take <laughs> Michael Orr. Yeah. Can't take I Eagles consider- players. I would have considered him from- for sure as my offensive. Oh player. yeah, I mean totally. Yeah, what <laughs> he'd absolutely be the top pick. If he'd you- be my first pick. Yeah. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah, you you can't go with guys from from movies that were a hundred percent real life characters. Right. Vince so- Papali would have been a sleeper pick for me too. <laughs> I feel like he could do something in seven on seven. Yeah. Um, showed him uh, playing with his friends. <laughs> he needs yeah. to destroy his so- friends in in uh, football. I don't know. For some reason, I thought that Remember the Titans, like I knew it was based on a real story. I thought they were fi- fictionalized players based on the real story. So I like had some of those guys on my list and I like awesome. looked them up. Remember the like, Titans guys? No, they're real players. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't think of that. Jesus. I knew it was there a were There were yeah, a few. No, no it I, just dawned uh, on me like, damn, like that's actually a true story. Part of me feels like I should have said that before. No, I know. No, I, yeah, I didn't dawn on uh, me that Remember the Titans like. Like, cause they're like high school players, you know what I mean? Like, oh, right, I know. Well, so you don't think are, of it, right? These guys aren't uh-huh. the NFL or whatever. Like, this isn't. Yeah, real. Like, I know. I had to do the same thing with Friday Night Lights, the movie, because those were also real players. So. Oh man, 
I got I got I got to rework my big board now. <laughs> got to take out a couple. Hopefully, of guys. It doesn't change too much. Um, <laughs> it changes one one player. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I was I was definitely ready to take Julius Campbell with one of the first picks, and <laughs> I was like, oh no, wait, I can't do that. <laughs> um, so anyway, we're gonna do this in a snake draft format. So, I I guess I will tell you right now, I would prefer to pick two and three over one i know you're ready to just hand me the number one overall pick and i was like well i don't know that i want that so i don't know if you no. like if you also would rather do that then we can rock paper scissors for it but if you want the number one pick then you can take it um uh no i I, let's rock paper scissors for it (laughs) okay let's see if we can see this best two out of three yeah rock paper okay rock paper scissors shoot (laughs) i won the first one Uh, rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Oh, this I won is, two. this doesn't work. Oh, I won two in a row. We're not lined up. Oh well, I, I, swear I really you're did go with rock after. and then scissors. <laughs> so, like the first all one. Right, I, all right, whatever, fine. I did no, go, I'll, I'll I give did, that to wait, you. I'm not joking. I really did have scissors for the second. You definitely were making them. I I don't know if you're just on a oh, delay for me that. or like, how Because like, yeah. yeah, I was trying to line up with the camera, and I really had rock <laughs> for the first one over scissors, and then I had scissors over paper. So yeah. All right, so I get to pick? Yeah, you can choose. Do you want the first pick, or do you want second and third? So it sounds like you really want the two, three. like Kind of. Or like you want you want to go second instead, it sounded like. Yeah. All right, fine. I'll go first then. <laughs> what was the point of doing rock, baby, sissies then? <laughs> I don't know. It's just like you, you seem so bummed out not getting it. Like all right, I No, no, bad. it's whatever. Like I'm prepared to. It would just change my strategy a little. But that's okay. All right. That, that, that's the only reason I picked it. It's like, you seem really bummed out that you didn't get him. Like, all right, fine. I'm sorry. I, I, I didn't know. I mean, it's not a huge deal. It's it's <laughs> whatever. I mean, it, I don't know. Maybe we'll put up a poll or something to see who has a better team. But it's not the end of the world. All right. All right, fine. I'll go first. Uh, so I would never... I'm uh, thinking about taking... You know what? I got I got one for the first pick. Okay. Have you ever seen uh, Jerry Maguire? Yes. Okay. So you know who I'm talking about then in the movie. You're going to take Agent Jerry Maguire. No. <laughs> I'm going to take Agent Jerry Maguire, <laughs> but his uh, client, Rod Tidwell. Rod Tidwell, wide Rod, receiver. Wide receiver. You know, he's got he's a bit of a diva. He's got a bit of an uh, some attitude issues, but, you know, that's something we can work with, especially when you have an agent like Jerry Maguire. You line up. Show me the money. Show me the money. Yeah, he's someone that wants the rock. He's some, even though he's a bit of a diva, he's someone that's going to give it his all on the football field. Mm-hmm. So let's go with him as the first overall pick. I was going to take him second overall. Wow! <laughs> great pick then. I did not expect you to take Tidwell. Wow! There. That uh, yeah, right. I feel great about going first then. No, that that is a good pick. No, he is a great wide receiver to build your team around. Um. Yeah, I, I guess just quick little note. So in, in 1996, when this movie was made, Jerry Maguire secures an $11.2 million contract for Tidwell. He had 110 catches, 1,500 yards. He'd be making like more than double that if he was signing a contract if they redid this movie now, just given where the wide receiver market is headed. Oh, so. for sure. Um, all right, well, that, what that a great definitely... What pick by me, then. I love that. Was it, no, there's a very good pick. Yeah, um, yeah so... Okay, I guess I'm going to go with the guy that I thought you were going to take with the first overall pick, and that is uh, 
Got to get someone on defense to to rough up your star player, and that's linebacker Bobby Boucher from the Waterboy. He uh, he's the kind of guy I want to build my defense around. So I got to take him number one overall. And since you took my top wide receiver, I'm going to take a guy that I thought you also would get, and that's uh, Deacon Moss, the aptly fitted name from the longest yard. I thought so. about it. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I I mean, about, to me, I, I, I wanted both, Tidwell first, but I, I had both guys on my big board. But uh, no, that's a good yep. choice. Yeah, Deacon Moss. Uh, so the other guy that I was thinking about taking one overall. So you would pick four and five now. Yeah. Yeah. So I picked the next two. Yep. The second round and third round for for me, but yeah, four and five overall. Uh, the the other guy I was thinking about taking number one overall, same movie as as Deacon Moss. Uh, I don't know if you remember Earl Meggett, running back. Yep. He had some great moves in that movie. If you remember, if you remember. Oh yeah, he's like one of the fastest had. fastest running backs in uh movie history. Yeah. So, so I. We'll take him with uh, my second pick. So I got two skill guys already. It's a good pick. Yeah. My third pick, uh, I'm going to go with a, a linebacker. And I don't know if you remember uh, Blue Mountain State. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thad Castle, you know, doing you the go. Oreo run. Uh, I'm sure that could be fun for teammates. <laughs> with yeah, the Oreo definitely cook- not. Oreo cookie. I don't know. <laughs> He, he, uh, he, he's an interesting character. And he I, is. He's yeah. Personality wise, he's a tough one. But you're just going one game with two of my first yeah. three picks, and uh, uh, I think Thad Castle on the defense uh, could be a could help. Yeah, he could help out defense for my team. There so you I'm go. Thad Castle, my third pick. Yeah. So had you gone with Boucher, I would have taken Tidwell and Thad Castle two and three, <laughs> and said I had to change it up, and I went Boucher and Deacon Moss. So. And you got my running back that I wanted to take. So oh. I guess with my next, yeah, no, with my next two picks, um, I'm going to, so I will say that I don't think that I want to pair Boucher and Castle. I think those are just two, two personalities that I don't know if they're the, the two guys I want to pair together as my, my star defense. Instead, I'm going to go with someone who uh, wreaks havoc like Boucher, but in maybe a, a, a lesser way and, Not really. I don't know how I want to describe this. Anyway, I'm taking Charles Jefferson from Ridgemont High, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Have you seen that movie? I have not. It is is a classic, 1982. And Charles Jefferson, he's played by Forrest Whitaker. A lot of young actors got their starts in this. And he's a star football player for Ridgemont High. And Jeff Spicoli, Sean Penn's character, the like surfer bro, um, he accidentally wrecks... Um, Charles Jefferson's prize Chevy Camaro but what he does to kind of get away with it is he frames it and makes it seem like it was by rivals uh, from like like students from their rival high school Lincoln High and when they play each other in football that week Charles Jefferson sends multiple guys off on stretchers just absolutely dominating that game and uh ridgemont high i believe wins 42 to 7 so almost single-handedly jefferson destroys things that's the recipe for success just ruin his car say like uh rod tidwell did it and boom my my team's in good shape so i love that uh linebacker defensive duo of bobby boucher and charles jefferson and uh you know 
I don't need to go. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to take go on the same path as you here. I'm going to also go ahead and take my running back that I want, which I don't think you're going to take him um, anyway, but I'm going with Brian Smash Williams from Friday Night Lights, the TV show. He is a phenomenal football player, phenomenal running back. I'm sure that there's some people who are like, how are you taking Smash over Tim Riggins? Well, my easy answer for that is Smash got a scholarship to Texas A&M and Tim Riggins went to San Antonio State and didn't even go there. He turned around before even showing up to school. So I like Smash's intensity and seven on seven football. I think that's the kind of running back I want. Someone who who has the speed and stuff and they, they can... They can make things work on their own. Reagan's more of a fullback guy. I don't think he fits the offense that I want to run. So those are my two picks, Jefferson and Smash. Okay, so for my next pick, I already have one defensive player in Thad Castle. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen the movie uh, what's Draft Day? <laughs> no, I, I have not seen <laughs> Draft Day. You have not Day. seen Draft Day. Okay, well, yeah. there is... A... But I know who you're taking. Oh, okay. So... There was a player uh, named Vontae Mack, yes. played by Chadwick Bozeman, rest in peace. And he was a coveted linebacker out of Ohio State in the movie. The Ohio, the Ohio State, State University. State. And uh, I'm not going to give you any spoilers, but he's someone that GM of the Browns, Kevin Costner, took a good close look at in the movie. What's his, his name in the movie? Vontae Mack. No, what's Kevin Costner's name? Oh, I, I, what's yeah? What is, is it? Sunny? I think Sunny, so. Yeah, Sunny like Lister. I, is I, that I'll it? admit, I wish I watched it before the draft. Like I, I said, know the yeah. You told me you were going to. I feel like I, I know the plot it. of Draft Day, but I haven't seen it, so I didn't want to put Vontae Mack on my board because I didn't know for sure if he was the right pick here. Mm-hmm. And um, but Sunny sure, Weaver. I mean, it, it sounds like it. Sunny Weaver. Sunny Weaver. That's the name. Yeah. Okay. He's someone that uh, he took a good look at for. Uh, Chadwick Boseman's character Vontae Mack in this movie, and had oh, I'm discuss- thinking of American had, boxer he, Sonny Liston. <laughs> he had uh, okay. discussions with Vontae in this movie, and they showed some tape. They showed some film <laughs> in the movie of, uh-huh. of uh, Vontae, and he, he, I think he's a good pick uh, for my other defensive player. Uh, for my roster. sure, yeah. I mean, he sounds like the kind of guy that you'd want to pair with Thad Castle. Both number one overall picks. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know what Mac's career turned into, but if you see in the BMS movie, you would know that Castle did not do the best with his uh, well, if you're, his money and fame. Well, uh, if you if you're not aware, uh, Sonny Weaver is the GM of the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Cleveland yes, Browns. Cleveland I don't think Browns. anything really works out for the Browns. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, Miles Garrett, he was a not, okay, they could have gone right, quarterback. But, yeah. All right. Either way, that's my next pick. And so I have two defensive players. I have two skill guys. So I have a quarterback, offensive lineman, and one skill guy left for Philip Master. Yeah, same. So I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with quarterback on this for my next pick. And have you ever seen the movie Replacements? I haven't seen the Replacements. Yeah. Uh, there, there are a lot of options on that roster, though. Keanu Reeves. Uh, uh, he. He's a pretty good actor. One of my favorite roles, though, is him in this movie playing Shane Falco. Lefty quarterback. Not the most skilled. That's why we're taking him in the fifth round, not the first. But he plays <laughs> with, a, with all, all heart. He's a winner. Uh-huh. Yeah, he plays with all heart. His teammates love him. will do anything for him. He's great. Great guy. Great teammate. Great friend. 
uh, throughout for the characters in the movie. So Shane Falco is my quarterback. There you go. I think that's a good one. Um, so I'm torn here because do I double up on Friday Night Lights? Because there, there are some quarterback options. Like there's someone that I really want to go with or do I mix it up here? Give another movie reference. You know, there's not really a whole lot riding here. So I think I'm going to go with that direction instead. As much as I love Vince Howard, Michael B. Jordan's character, I'm going to take Willie Beeman from Any Given Sunday, Jamie Foxx's character. Threw up on the field. It's first time out there. But <laughs> I think this is a much less stressful environment, seven on seven. I think he's the kind of guy that he brings uh, a lot to the table for this team. And he's the one that I want to be quarterbacking us. So. Any given Sunday, this team can win. I think he's the perfect guy to be that leader out there. Okay. So, and, oh, I was well, no, I get two picks. Right, 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 right. Yeah. So then from there, I'm going to take my other wide receiver. And I already have Deacon Moss. You know, he's a, he's a big body receiver. I'm going to go with a smaller guy, sure hands, someone who can uh, pick up yards and kind of be that more dump off type. Um, and that's Charlie Tweeter from Varsity Blues. I actually watched this movie last night because there are a lot of Varsity Blues characters to choose from, and I was like, I need to have one movie. This is actually a movie I've been wanting to watch for a long time, and Charlie Tweeter, he's the uh, basically the number one receiver on this team, at least based on the, the way the movie portrays him, and he's smaller, but he's sure-handed, makes a lot of big plays, and I think he's a good compliment to what I have with uh, Deacon Moss at the other receiver position. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So for, so are we allowed to double up on the same movie? Uh, yeah. Yes. Okay. I, that was one thing we should have clarified. Earlier. Yeah. So the reason uh, why I say that is because my offensive lineman was going to yes. be uh, a, the offensive lineman from remember, remember the Titans. Louis Lastic. <laughs> Louis yeah, Lastic. Right. Yeah. I was absolutely going to take it as my offensive lineman, but then when you clarify that, I know a, when I realized that, like, it's yeah, a, oh, it's based on a true uh, <laughs> film. Like, uh-huh. oh, I can't actually, I actually can't use him. So, my offensive lineman, I'm going to double up on a movie uh, as my pl- as a plan B, and I don't know if you remember Turley from uh, <laughs> the Longest Yard. The the yeah, oh yeah, uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> He's, he's your pick here. Uh, yeah, he's going to be my offensive lineman. Definitely a scary, scary guy. Uh, uh-huh. He's been in several movies like The Longest Yard and and Get Smart and a few other movies. The great uh, Kali is is his name. Uh, yeah, he's, he's played by. WWE, former WWE wrestler at least. And yeah, so. There you go. That's a good, good, good pick. Good guy to have. That's going to be, yeah, it's my double up. I, I wasn't expecting to double up, but then once I realized I couldn't take Louis Elastic, <laughs> yeah, right. I'm gonna double up because uh, uh, that's the next. That was the first offensive lineman that came to mind uh, for me. Uh huh. So that's who I'm gonna go with. For so my, your last pick, your last, last pick skill position player is a skill position player. You know, I need someone that. Do we do kickoffs in in this in this uh, <laughs> format or at all? Uh, I mean, we don't have kickers on our team, so probably not. But I figured this would be the, the guy you take. Maybe we throw the ball to the other side of the field, and then you have a return man. <laughs> <laughs> well, either way, regardless, yeah. For my last pick, uh, I'm gonna have to teach this guy how to play receiver and catch the ball. 
because he he can run like the wind blows. He's mm-hmm. not a it's not a football movie, but he plays football in the movie, and that's Forrest Gump. That's <laughs> 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 my last pick. Yeah. I yeah, I had him as a potential wide receiver. <laughs> there is he's, gonna, he's a kick returner. Yeah, yeah. he's my kick returner know. slash second receiver. When to... you only got two receivers, I don't know if he's he's ready to take on that role. But you know he's he's fast. If you can get him the ball, he's going to be a tough one to stop. Yeah, if, exactly. We can maybe we can run some reverses or something like that. <laughs> yeah, right. That, that's it. He's, he's the second running back. He's, yeah. he's your Debo. We're, yeah, exactly. We're gonna have to work. There's definitely gonna be something to work on with you know his uh, intelligence. Not, oh, but he's got speed. He's like Pete Wheeler in backyard football. If you remember Pete Wheeler? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do remember Pete Wheeler. <laughs> So that's my last yeah. pick, Forrest Gump. <laughs> I think that's a good pick to round it out. Uh, so for my offensive lineman, I um, I'm doubling down on Varsity Blues. Uh, another reason why I watched this because I realized there weren't a whole lot of options here. Going with Billy Bob, and he is he's a left guard. You know he'll have to snap the ball, but I think he's capable of doing that. I guess how how are we gonna talk about him? So he wears number sixty nine, <laughs> drives a truck with sixty nine on it. <laughs> He has a pet pig, and uh, yeah, he's he's just a monster on the offensive line. Little concerned about concussions, but I'm not going to be like head coach Bud Kimball and you know, well, just one game. What he's going to play through and it's the seventh hope to round. Not. We're uh, durability exactly. concerns. Hey, you know what? It's the seventh round. We're taking a chance, right? He was he was healthy. His uh, <laughs> he scanned his cat before. The, the last game of the season oh, wow. and like a cat scan. Yeah. He, he's not the most, he's not the smartest guy, mm-hmm. but uh, he's, he's your classic offensive lineman from a, you know, Texas high school football comedy movie. And he helped block a huge punt in a game in a moment where the team had to win. So I know he can help me on the defensive side of the ball as well. Kind of getting through helping some of my uh, guys get to the quarterback, you know, and, I uh, I think it's a fun one, fun way to end it. Billy Bob, he's my offensive lineman. So, so you doubled down on Varsity Blues, I doubled down yes. on the longest yard. Okay. Yeah, and I, that's part of the reason why I didn't want to take Vince Howard because I didn't also want to double down on um, Friday Night Lights. After, because I, I wanted Earl Meggett, but you know, I, yeah, I, I pivoted and went smash instead. I wasn't going to double down, but yeah, once I realized that I can't use the Remember the Titans, I was like, oh, yeah, uh-huh. of course, it's a true story. I'm like, all right, so I can't. I know Jeez. this. Oh, Louis Lastic would have been great. Louis Lastic, great for the morale yeah, well, of the team. <laughs> the replacements had a few options. Like whenever I would see like people do full. I was rosters, thinking about like, yeah, a couple offensive, offensive linemen from the replacements. Yeah, one of the Jackson brothers, I guess. Yeah. I assume they're brothers. I don't know. It's just that there there were too many to decide from. I didn't want to just pick one. Yeah, like in the longest yard, Turley is the guy. He's on the their guy. Line. Yes, so that's absolutely. why I went with him. But. From the replacements, yes, there are two guys, but it's like I don't want to pick between one of mm-hmm. these, you know, five guys that are all great. So I decided yep. to not go with a. I decided not to double down on the replacements. All right, so you want to go through your roster? Yeah. So my first pick, I went with. Let's see, Rod Tidwell from, from uh, uh Jay McGuire. Uh, yeah, thank you. And then I went with Earl Meggett. Uh, as my second pick as my running back and then Thad Castle my third pick at linebacker or defensive player and then same thing with my fourth pick with Vontae Mack and then fifth pick Shane Falco is my quarterback and then 
My sixth pick is Turley uh, from the longest yards, my offensive lineman. See, we both took offensive linemen later in the draft. You know, that's something that the Patriots could have done, but no. <laughs> they had to waste their first pick on a offensive lineman. And then last pick, I went with the fastest guy, arguably fastest guy in the league, maybe even faster than Earl Meggett, with Boris Gump. You definitely got some speed on that team. <laughs> For so sure. I'll yeah, I'll be relying on uh both my defense and then my offense to keep up with it. So I took Bobby Boucher, linebacker, and Deacon Moss, wide receiver, with the first two picks, and then added another big linebacker in Charles Jefferson. So we'll see if we got the speed to match up on defense, but definitely got some some punishing guys that'll maybe think you're have you think twice about going over the middle. I got running back Smash Williams and quarterback Willie Beeman. I, I think I'm gonna have a pretty fast team on offense as well. And then wide receiver Charlie Tweeter and Billy Bob, number 69 at offensive line. So I don't know which one's better, but I think mine's faster. Yeah, I'd say your team is faster. I think that's a fair way to look at it. Um, Yeah, no, I think think this is a fun exercise to do. It would have been interesting if we had more of us. I think it would have been tough uh, to add more, especially if we're only limiting it to fictional football. So I'm glad that... We just did uh, two of us for this. Yeah, limiting it to fictional football made it a little bit trickier. I mean, because I, I mean, Rudy, right? Rudy, <laughs> you know, is one snap. In Again, Notre Dame. I would have probably <laughs> taken any player on Notre Dame other than Rudy. Just like <laughs> that, that's where I pull my offensive uh, line from. Yeah, you know? I was just joking. Uh, I love that. This is a side note. But I love that SNL skit with JJ Watt, the Rudy skit. I don't know if you've ever I seen, seen that. It. Oh, you know, oh, no. you gotta check that out. <laughs> okay yeah I'll, I'll look into that for sure so all right that'll do it for this one so uh, like i said football is gonna be a focus again later in the summer but we'll we'll keep talking basketball and hockey as the the playoffs continue on here any kentucky derby pick for you i i have not looked it up yet <laughs> i was Whichever looking earlier I, none of is. the names jumped out there's a messier i assume mark messier has a horse and uh I don't know if I want him to win or not with the the Penguins playing the Rangers. If that's a good thing or a bad thing. Oh, that's true. But yeah, yeah, the, yeah. So, um, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm probably end up watching it. One that I had was why would I go to the NFL draft last weekend, like Vegas for the NFL draft last weekend, when I could go this weekend for Cinco de Mayo and the Kentucky Derby, and <laughs> you know that sounds like a way better weekend to be there. Which I did that a few years ago, so that's probably why I thought of that as well. But. Do you get a quick one? Let's see. Tiz the Bomb. That's a cool name. <laughs> I did notice that. But he's like 30 to 1. I know. I, like I was just about to say 30 to 1, there. though. Like, I don't like that. It's, I know. Because the long shot. It's, like it's not that, a fun name for the Derby yeah, this year. It, it's like, it's like uh, that Vegas horse game where it's the long shots never really win. It's usually one of the mm-hmm. favorites. Sometimes there's like a little bit of a long shot, but it's mostly the favorites that usually win. Um. Yeah, and I was looking at the cool. I wanted just one cool name. I don't know if I like that was the coolest name. There's I, just not one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we'll see. We'll both root for Tiz the Bomb, and if if he pulls it off, then <laughs> a lot of people are making, or some people are making a lot of money. <laughs> so. even, even if I'm a, even if I'm kind of a degenerate in things, I even I don't bet on horses. <laughs> <laughs> like I'd rather bet on no joke, like the the horses in that Vegas. <laughs> game arcade. well that's all yeah 
I don't know. That's that's a more fun experience, I, know, I think. I think if I was there, I would love to go to Louisville for the Kentucky Derby. I think it would be a cool... It's not the same at home. I, I feel like the Kentucky Derby is a cool bucket list thing, but it's something that uh-huh. I feel like, if I, just guessing, I feel like that's something that you'd only want to do once. You experience yeah, I it. think it depends. I mean, if you really love gambling on horses, you probably want to go to all won, of them all the time. If but... you actually... Oh, yeah. If you're the, like, oh, I got to go, go back. You actually win a jackpot like oh i gotta come every year yeah right i did not win when i was in vegas for the kentucky derby so it was definitely a turn off uh when it comes to wanting to to do that again so anyway for my co-host brian wells i'm corny thanks everyone